Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Big Sills, welcome aboard. Midweek, 29 days away to the start of training camp and 36 days away from the start of the Hall of Fame game between the Browns and the Jets. 36 days away from the very first football game of the year. Dude, we're almost inside a month here. This is absolutely... Hey, and you know it's almost football season. Why? Because Jason Kelsey is killing it in a beer drinking contest. Dude, go. He is the go. What... Who is the greatest personality in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles? Who would you say is the most charismatic, coolest, and personifies that franchise? If you had to go, and you got to put greatness around it, you got to put a you got to put greatness around it too. I mean, you, you got to be a great player to have a great personality for it to work. Dude, you can't you can't Tony Franklin. Nobody greasy in here knows who Tony Franklin is. Okay, Tony Franklin? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're a Philly historian, Tony Franklin, I think he kicked at A&M. Unless you're an Aggie, or 100 years old, you don't know who Tony Franklin is. Kelsey is that dude. I'm with you, Reese. Yeah, dude, I'm watching him. Tell me that. Now, look, I got to tell you, man. I got to tell you. I got I got to tell you. Now, I've done a beer bong before, okay? Barkley Kelsey Iverson. So, you're comparing Kelsey to Barkley? In personality? I never looked at it that way. See, Iverson had an edge to him. I don't think Kelsey has an edge to him. He don't come off like edgy and surly. Iverson could be surly. Right? Brace Harper can be surly. I don't ever remember publicly Jason Kelsey being like a surly dude. You know, he's like in every... Hey, has there been an athlete in Philadelphia connect more with the fans than Jason Kelsey? I got to say that I think he's the one athlete. I'm trying to, let me think. Dutch, Garrett Dalton, Philly fans loved him. 
And, and by the way, I'm talking about somebody that kind of like, you know, you, you identified with. Iverson, man, is just like a mythic dude. And you know what I think of Allen Iverson. Iverson is like one of my top five favorite athletes in the history of sports, not just in the history of Philly sports. Okay? Hey, dude, I love AI. Just not, there's nothing. I can't say any more accolades about the guy. Give me one guy. How you doing, maniac? That person, dude, Hugh Douglas had a personality like Kelsey? No way. Like T.O. was surly, too. I mean, you know what? To some extent, you have to be surly in Philly. You, you have to be. Dude, I've never seen a guy represent a city better in my life. Cal Ripken, Baltimore? Did Derek Jeter really represent New York City? And an everyday New York guy? When I think of Derek Jeter, I don't look at him and go, hey, that guy could go down Midtown and hang out with the fellas. Kelsey goes down to South Philly, hanging out with everyone down in South Philly. It seems to me he'd fit right in no matter where you are in the Philly area. You know what? That's funny you should say that. I don't think Hertz has the personality that Jason Kelsey has. I think his is reserve. His is all about focus. Hey, personally, I don't think Tom Brady had the best personality in New England. I would actually, I think Jalen Hurts and Tom Brady were a lot alike when Brady was in New England. I didn't know he was that guy until he got to my until he got to Tampa. Guys throwing the Super Bowl trophy there in the in the harbor there in Tampa. Jeter comes off as the guy that when he's around guys as his <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Derek Jeter puts you at attention. Jason Kelsey puts you at ease. That's the kind of guy I'm talking about. So I'm looking at some of those videos that IP had and put up on their Twitter page. This guy's gunning beers with everyday dudes. My God almighty. What a grand slam. I'm going to tell you something, man. That guy's going to be, he and his brother are absolutely going to be media sensations. Whatever they do, they don't need IP. You know, when guys get out of the business or get out of the game and they're looking to get into the business, they are going to be a business. They're going to be like Pat McAfee and shit like that. They're going to have their own. They're not going to have to rely on everyone. People are going to go to them. They're, you see, 99% of the athletes go to someone. Like when Brady left the NFL, Fox went to him. Those Kelsey brothers are going to, dude, Saturday Night Live went to Travis Kelsey. Can you host the show? Yeah, all right. What? I was, hey, that's the greatest way to kick off a season in the summer is watching Jason Kelsey gunning beers on the Jersey Shore. Dude, I don't know what the hell else is better than that. You're hanging out, man, in the Philly area, on the beach. You got Eagle fans, and you're hanging out, and you're gunning beers. Shit. Give me one athlete who was connected better in Philadelphia than him. And he's going to the Hall of Fame. Joel Embiid? Hey, watch this. 
Jason Kelsey and Joel Embiid. Who do you want to hang with? Bryce Harper, Jason Kelsey. Who do you want to hang with? I didn't say who you want to meet. Who do you want to hang with? Talk ball. Talk whatever. Okay? I'm hanging with Kelsey too, man. Gunning beers. Dude, if Jason Kelsey was sitting in a bar having a good time, you'd never know who he was until someone pointed it out. That's the best center in the NFL. Dude, BG, he don't have the personality of Kelsey. He's a great dude. No getting around that. You know, you know, hey, watch this. Jason Kelsey, uh, a Walter Payton guy? I don't know. There should be like a Jason Kelsey trophy. And you know what it should be called? The everyday guy. That dude right there is the everyday guy. Is that, that's Kelsey? This is what you say when you see him in a bar. That's Jason Kelsey. Holy cow. Then you watch him and you go out there. And, 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 and Tone's like, hang on, Big Sales. Brandon Graham's personality is right up there. So you think Brandon Graham's going to sit around at a bar gunning beers with, with fans? You think he's going to hang? You think he's going to hang out there doing beer bongs? You think Brandy Graham's going to do beer pongs in a bar with him and all the fans of the Eagles? I mean, like, when I think of Jason Kelsey, man, I think he could go out and start the wave. Like, he could start the wave at Lincoln Financial. Dude, those were some really great pictures. And what a fabulous time. Dude, that's what you're talking about, man. And get this. That's the Pied Piper in the Eagle locker room that leads the culture. Of all the guys that are in the locker room for the Eagles that are the veteran guys that are the leaders, would you say he's the most important person in that locker room when it comes to having that locker room understand what is expected of every single player, especially the new guys? I don't know about beer bongs, but Graham blends in at every family cookout. Oh, I love that kind of personality, man. You know the people that don't make you feel uncomfortable? Like, watch this. No wonder Wentz didn't fit into your Eagle locker room. Hey, man, I, you know what? You know what, too? I love the fact that Tone is defending Brandon Graham because that just shows you what kind of dynamic you have in your locker room. That's a good thing, man. Hold on, Sills. You want to go to a barbecue? You want to do some burgers? You want to do whatever, man, on the grill? Dude, that guy would sit there and just start eating wings with you man he start eating ribs with you he start doing whatever you need and it's a great time and you'd never know too that this guy was one of the big ball players by the way i got a comment that i'm going to make about him in a, in a second here okay all you're saying is kelsey can hang out with frat boys drinking is the most personality trait if that's how you heard that anthony okay if that's how you heard what I just said, okay, and you want to you, you want to squash it down to that, that's a you thing, dude, because that's not how I wanted it to land. Okay, sorry about that, maniac. I missed the super chat. Okay, I bet Sills would be double dipping at the snack table. Damn right. Hey, 
Quan, don't ever invite me to a barbecue and think I'm not going for thirds. I ain't your guy. Sills, there's a video clip of Dallas players saying he can't wait for Mozzie Smith to punch on Jason Kelsey. Then clips of Kelsey laughing. It's hilarious. Thank you, Wheels. Hey, hey. Get so wait a minute. Mozzie Smith? Okay, I know he didn't say that, but if I were him, I wouldn't want anybody writing a check that I didn't write. That be hey, hey, I wouldn't want to be a rookie and someone writing a check that I have to cash. Hey, because he's barking bullshit at me. That ain't something I want to be dealing with there. Kelsey would bring the keg and Graham would be on the grill. Man, what a great time. Is it that like your locker room now in Philly? Kelsey brings the keg. Graham brings the grub. Everyone sits in there and has a nice barbecue after they kick the shit out of the Cowboys. Isn't that how it's supposed to be? Right? What a great culture. What an absolutely fabulous culture that you have. That's a sensational culture. We're going to do something special. By the way, I didn't realize, guys, that there's a lot of cancellations and flights, especially as we're getting closer to the holidays. Gary Sheffield contacted me, so we're probably going to get him on Friday. And his flight was canceled yesterday, so he's got to get on at 2 o'clock, so he's not going to be able to join us today. So we're probably most likely going to get him Friday. But Big George Foreman, the legendary two-time heavyweight champion of the world, brand new movie out called Big George, will join us at 5.30 Eastern time, and we're going to kind of chop it up there with the man with the Foreman grill. Now, now, now Tone, I don't know if Tone ever watched George Foreman fight, but I know he has to know about the Foreman grill. Okay? He's, he, he's got to know about, about, about the Foreman grill. Okay? Anthony Sills, didn't you say, can BG drink like Kelsey? I, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I don't really care about your take. Okay? I, I, I don't. Um, I used to cook on those in my college dorm. <laughs> Dude, those things are good. Those burgers were good, dude. Okay? Which <laughs> George Foreman? There's quite a few of them. The George Foreman. Okay? The George Foreman. All right. Now, let me ask you something about Brandon Graham since Tone's defending him. And since this actually happened on Sports Take, your boy's getting hammered. Brandon Graham making excuses for getting beat in the Super Bowl because the turf was bad. I happen to agree with some of the people. He did it in a backhanded way. Chiefs played on that field too. So to say that the field stopped the Eagles and that was a factor in losing the Super Bowl and that they were lucky. Little cheesy. If the Chiefs didn't play on that field too and there was a magical second field, I would go, yeah, you're right. But they played on it too. And he's getting hammered for that. It is an excuse. In a subtle way. I don't really think it was he's driving that home. But when you say that, 
people take the context of the question asked and how it was answered, not the tempo of it. Because when I heard it too, I thought he was just throwing that shit out. And by the way, it was slippery. Okay? It was slippery. I saw it. No one's going to say it wasn't. That wasn't a reason he lost, though. It had no bearing on it. It had no bearing because both teams were on the field. You know, you, you can't apply it. All of a sudden, there's a magical field laid on top of it when the Eagles are on defense. You see how the media takes it, though? The media takes it that this guy was making it as an excuse. And for guys like me, I could turn that into a nasty topic easily. But I heard it. And I came away from that interview really liking him. And I didn't take it that way. National media is, though. They're taking it as, he's using it as an excuse on why the Eagles got their butts kicked in the game, especially defensively in the second half. If you ask me, he kind of said it. I I agree, tongue-in-cheek. He did. and That's what I'm saying, Tone. If I was not covering the Eagles and I had heard that, I'd be killing him. Dude, you're doing the same shit the 49ers are doing. You're doing the same crying that they're doing. Same crying. But you know what? You, you, if you listen to the entire time he was on, you, you also would then have to – you see, this is where the media cuts off where he said, hey, look, they, I actually even heard him say this. And I'm paraphrasing, right, Tone? I actually heard him say this. Hey, look, they're real lucky, man. We couldn't get our footing. But at the end of the day – She's played on the field too, not making any excuses up here, but hey, it what it's what it is, and you move on. And I'm kind of but they cut all that out, they cut that half of it off to make him look like a whiner. But use that as ammo. You think of wait a minute, so you just chopped up something that I said. Isn't this exactly what I talk about here all the time about the media lying? It's not that they're lying. It's that they fabricate or they elaborate or both. They expanded that comment into making it sound like he had sour grapes and made Brandon Graham sound bad. I heard the entire interview. And like I said, I came away with him like Tone took it. I thought it was a little tongue-in-cheek. I think it was something that he had on his mind. I think he brought it up. Hey, by the way, he wasn't the only one that said that. There were guys on both sides complaining about the turf, and everyone knows the two worst surfaces in the NFL are in Pittsburgh and Arizona, and that was supposed to be something that the NFL had in a formaldehyde jar, and it was supposed to be state-of-the-art. It wasn't. It was a train wreck. Okay, so again, I mean, they just lie in omission. Yeah, you know what they did? Brandy Graham's crying about the fact that the Eagles couldn't get their footing in the Super Bowl and made that as an excuse for losing without going like this. Hey, the Chiefs played on it too. It is what it is, and I don't want to sound like I'm crying here. You move on and you use it as fuel for the next year. That's how I took it. I heard Carton today. I heard Fox. I've seen it all over the internet. 
Eagle defensive lineman slash linebacker crying about the field and the surface and making excuses why the Eagles lost the Super Bowl. I was like, Jesus, is that how you, that's that what your takeaway is from that? That was your takeaway that Brandon Graham was whining about the field and that cost him the game. Come on, man. That's not what cost him the game. Andy Reid's play calling and Mahomes' spectacular play in the second half cost him the game. And the inability of Jonathan Gannon to scheme up a defense to stop Mahomes. Graham said he watched the film quite a few times and noticed a few times where sweat doesn't slip. It's a strip sack easily. Oh, okay. (laughs) Again, Tone, did the Chiefs play on that field too? Come on now. He slipped. Hey, hey, oh, come on, Tone. Don't go down the 49er line. Now you sound like Dumbo Samuel Come or, or Kyle Shanahan. Come on, man. No way. No way. Can't use that, man. But but again, <laughs> no, don't worry. We lost that game fair and square. Absolutely, man. It was a great football game. Actually, one of the better Super Bowls that I had seen before, man. Okay. Yeah, whatever, guy. Hey, hey, Quan, once again, you wave the banners, I'll do the topics. Okay, you wave the banners, I'll do the topics. You hang in there, son. I got you, kid. That field neutralized the eagle. Oh, man, come on. Okay, the field was trash. It was a slippery mess. Bang, bang. <laughs> yeah. You are so too. Oh, okay, William. Sure. I didn't no, I did I I didn't take it like he was using it as an excuse. I think it was something on his mind. And he wanted to say it and he said it to the guys. I didn't make more of it. I I I you're missing the point here, I think. And let me make sure it lands right. I'm goofing on the media for trying to make the guy look like he's making excuses. And if you're taking it any other way, you're stupid because the last couple of days, actually Pro Football Talk had it in today. Brandon Graham blames the field for the Super Bowl loss. So, again, I'm commenting on what these guys are commenting on today. Okay? (laughs) Amen. I will move on now. I just thought it was pretty remarkable that trying to make Brandon Graham look like a whiner. Like, and again, too, you got to remember something. Anybody in the New York media hates Philly. And they hate Boston. You understand that. That's a good thing. It's a merit badge. Yeah, that's right. The whole FS1 is trolling. They always troll the Eagles and, and, and Boston fans. New York fans don't give a shit about responding. Are you kidding me? The fans that respond are in Boston and in Philly. So what you do is you take pot shots at them. I mean... He can't look the Giants. Who's going to defend the Giants this year? <laughs> the Jets are overhyped, as always. As a Philly fan, I truly enjoy being the most. Oh, Tone. Hey, Tone. I think we have a lot in common. Do me one favor, Tone. I've never asked you to do this. 
do me a favor. Just Google this. The most hated team in the history of sports, Sports Illustrated. And what team comes up number one? And then you'll know a little bit about Big Sills. The most hated team in American sports. Flyers are on that list. The Pistons are on that list. The Yankees are on that list. Some Cowboy teams are on that list. But do you know who's number one? Who's number one as the most hated team in American sports history? Who would that be? And did Big Sills play on it? <laughs> who, who, would, who would that team be as the most hated team in American sports Sports Illustrated did this about 2010 as the most hated team in sports history. I wonder who you think that's going to be at the top. And I'm with you too, Tone. I wear that as one of the greatest badges I've ever had in my life. I can't wait till you see that because I think you'll be quite enjoyed when you see what team is number one. You'll like it. <laughs> they got the Flyers on that team. Those Broad Street bullies. But they thought my team was is the most hated in American sports history. So as Tone says, that's a merit badge? Absolutely. In 2010, Sports Illustrated named the 1986 University of Miami football team as the most hated team in American sports history. Yours truly and Jerome Brown were the biggest mouths on that team. And we could start a riot anywhere. And we did. (laughs) We did. We started riots. And I love the fact that everywhere we went, we were the most hated team on the planet. I love the fact we walked into your building and I had already talked a whole week of shit on you. And then we kicked the crap out of you and leave, kiss your girlfriends, eat your food and get out of town. How you doing? (laughs) The most hated team in American sports history. I was on that team. Does it surprise? Hey, does it surprise you? Did you know the most hated pro team in sports history is the New York Yankees. No. Like I said, in 2010, they named our team in American sports history, the 1986 Canes. Flyers are on that team. The Pistons are on that team. We were number one. Jimmy Johnson's Canes. Yankees? Mm -mm. Our team. So I'm with Tone. I like that merit badge. I like the fact, dude, you didn't want to see us coming. (laughs) You didn't want to see us coming. Okay? Media hated us. They couldn't stand it. Because we talk shit all, all day long on you. And so when he says Philadelphia, you're right. That's why you guys have that little... That circle around your sandbox. And I enjoyed the fact that that's what I think totally that's why we get along. Media hates you. 
here's a prime example of trying to just turn something that Brandon Graham had into really what was kind of a backhanded comment, nothing big, and tried to make the guy into some sort of asshole. And I, I and he's not. You listen to the interview, it was a really good one, too. Okay. I just saw the list, Sills. You're absolutely correct. 1986 Canes, number one most hated. Big Daddy, thank you. Okay. Philly four for four, still making excuses about the field. Now, I didn't make excuses about the field. They beat us. I told you, Philly. Beautiful thing about sports, you can't move the goalposts. But Philly four by four, you know what you can always do? can always point to those two national title rings over Big Sill's shoulder. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? Every year I played there, we played for a national title. How you doing? <laughs> oh, that's why you, hey, that's why you guys love to hate me too. Tone's, see, Tone has a perfect relationship. Mondays, he's great. Tuesdays, uh, you know. Wednesdays, you know, he's kind of – then Thursdays, he comes back around. Fridays, he's great. That's all right, though, because that's how Philly fan is. One minute, you hate the Hurts pick. Second, you're like this. Eh, I'm not sure yet. And then the third time, you're like, this guy's my guy. This guy's my guy. <laughs> this guy's my guy. He's my guy. See, that's how you did it. You're even doing that with Jalen Hurts now. I don't know. What a shitty pick. I don't know. Maybe. And, and, then, the, and then the third year, you're like, hey, I think we got something here. I like the kid. That's how I do shit too, man. Right? You got me all figured out, Sills. Don't tell any. <laughs> This guy here, man, he's the, he starts talking shit. See, you got to know the buttons to push on tone, though. Jalen's underrated. I mean, overrated. <laughs> anything hurts. Okay. Hey, anything hurts. I don't know. Sometimes I think he kind of flutters on me a little bit on Embiid. I don't know how he feels about him. I think he kind of likes him. I know he likes Harper. Okay. But I, I, I think the Embiid thing kind of shakes him up a bit when I say, that guy will never hoist a Bill Russell trophy in his entire life. You can't have that kind of attitude. <laughs> MVP's on your shit list now. See, look at this. MVP. How could an MVP be on anybody's shit list but only in Philly? An MVP is on everyone's shit list in Philly. That doesn't happen anywhere else. That doesn't happen anywhere. Oh, you won the MVP award. You give him kind of a hall pass no you don't no you don't you know how many cities are soft like that okay the M I get this tone goes hey the mvp worked all the way until he got to the boston series that shit faded <laughs> are you under the impression then tone that that won't fade if jalen has a shit year in 2023 Man, we could go on some crazy swings here with Jalen Hurts. Dude, Jalen Hurts is becoming polarizing. This is polarizing. At least I, 
Iverson won the MVP and dragged the G Team League to the final. Oh, so true. One game two against that Laker team with Kobe and Shaq on it and Jackson coaching it. Come on, man. That was epic. That was an epic deal. Okay. <laughs> hey, Philly four for four. Thank you so much for having such a great fan base. And thank you for everyone in here. That brings a lot of fun to it. Even you, Quan. Yes. Quan, you give me Ajita. Okay. But it's all good. Hey, Hey, what do you guys think of Tobias Harris now? You know, Philly fans would trade me for breadcrumbs. I say, hey, you're too, Jameson. Hey, holy cow. See, everybody, you know what? Jimmy's right. Jimmy Johnson's right. Everybody wants a pat on the back here. All right, all right. Tobias Harris, the wrong thing to say. Wrong thing to say in Philly. The Philly fans would trade me for a box of breadcrumbs. Yeah, because you're overpaid and overrated. Who are you going to get if you don't get me? I don't know. Jimmy Butler drag. You talk about a G League team. That's a legitimate G League team. The, the, the team that Jimmy Butler played within the NBA Finals was a G League team. Okay? Dude, right. Tone's like, dude, you can't say that, man. You can think that. But you can't say that shit in that town. They have no, basically what he's saying is they have, they have no respect for him. They don't. Dude, if they are, like Tone just said, I think he personifies a lot of the attitude in Philadelphia. When he says, dude, that MVP award that you had was like a vapor in the Boston series. Who are you? They're going to look at your salary and go, dude, you're like Casper the Ghost. I don't see you in sometimes series. I, I, I don't see you enough. He's taking shots at the Philly fans. Good move. Good move. Send your ass to Memphis. Send your ass to some fan base that don't give a shit like Orlando. Okay? I'd rather pay play in a city like Philly and Boston or Buffalo in places like that, that the fan base totally holds you accountable. Okay? Because that's where your legacy's built. Because most players, you know what they do? They're not vested in the communities. Jason Kelsey beer drinking with the fans, that's vested in the community. That's why that guy connects. That's vested. You live in the community. Brandon Graham, too. Absolutely. Okay? It's actually out of character for Tobias to act that way. He must know he's on his way out. No, he must know that there's a lot of pressure on him because he underachieved. That's what you do, Tone. When you make a lot of money and you know you didn't live up to expectations, you lash out. And that's what he's doing. Actually, the entire 76er organization, including the MVP, has lashed out, including Harden. You see, Harden is a prime example of what I talk about. Here's a guy that picks his bat and ball up and circles around the NBA looking for the, you know, the fountain of youth or looking for the grail, and he never finds it. And see, that's what, Tim, that's what Kevin, 
Kevin Durant is doing. Kevin Durant is looking for a place that he could deliver an NBA championship, and it's his team. He'll never have that. He'll always be the greatest number two in the history of the sport. There's just certain guys that aren't leaders. Aaron Rodgers, when you look at Aaron Rodgers, do you see leadership all over that guy's pothead? I don't. I don't see it. Okay? I don't see it. <laughs> Breaking. Eagle signed big sales to a one-year prove-it deal, 5.2. No signing bonus, no nothing. And I first got to get through training camp. <laughs> Durant won a title. He actually won two on Steph Curry's team. You're welcome. Won two, actually. And two finals MVPs. And every place that he's been, that he's been asked to lead, have been failures. That's why I say the greatest thing that LeBron ever did was take that Cavalier 2.0 to the NBA Finals and win against a 70-plus win team in Golden State. Okay? And B pisses me off because when he wins the MVP and says he wouldn't be here without his teammates, but when he gets bounced in the playoffs, he's quick to say his teammates suck. Absolutely. It's a loser mentality. You never hear Hurts talk like that. As a matter of fact, after the Super Bowl loss, and I hear Kelsey saying this, every single day Jason Kelsey says that uh, Jalen Hurts beats himself up for that loss because he feels it's on him. You think he's going to talk about the way the defense played in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter? He's not going to say shit like that. He's absolutely going to leave. Seals, you know your show is awesome. When I already can't wait till 3 p.m. tomorrow. Seals, what's wrong with me? <laughs> it, it, it's called a disease. Okay? Here's the disease. It gradually comes. See, Tone's, Tone's been infected by the disease, too. So I'm going to, I'll give you, as, as your resident doctor, I'm going to help you four by four. Here, here's, Here's how I'll help you. This, this, this condition actually, at first, is nauseating. Makes you vomit. <laughs> Makes you vomit. See, when big seals take shots at certain media people in the market that guys have relationships with, what they'll do initially is they'll, they'll pile on sales. It's all right. Because I, I know human nature. This guy's a bad guy. See all the shit they say about him. Got to be real. They never met me. But they'll say all those things. So then you have this negative thought process on big sills. But as my audience, you, my family, starts to get to know me more, I don't know. See, Xander went through this. Jesus, gravity. This guy's taking shots at everybody. And well, you know. Part doesn't Philadelphia take shots at everybody? Tone's pissed off with the reigning MVP of the NBA. <laughs> Why can't I? <laughs> Why can't I? And then what happens four by four? All of a sudden, you get inocu you 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 get inoculated with the presence of the show, and you're like, well, I could take it a little bit. You see, Quan goes up and down, JM goes up and down. It's it's you have to get a vaccine. This is the true show where you have to actually get a vaccination every day. 
so the foot fungus eventually goes away. And 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 then you're just you have to come back every day for your for your booster shot. <laughs> so that's why you cover the Philly market because you can relate. I I DA, it's totally true. Dude, I have worked so great in markets, Tampa. Not so much Miami. It's a different Miami than what it was when I went to school there. It's not the same. My wife says it too. Boston, hey, Boston people give me the same shit you guys do. Okay? They give me the same shit. Same shit. The two markets, San Francisco was a great market. I won't lie. I had a good time there. Okay? But I got to tell you, man, Boston and Philly, you two guys hate one another. And rightfully so. But that's a good rivalry, man. It's about sports and it's about community and loving your sports teams and passion and all that shit and and giving me a ton of it. Got to respect the guy. (laughs) Not selective with his shots. Oh, no. Oh, no. Absolutely. Look at those. F Boston. (laughs) Hey, who do you guys hate more, Boston or New York? New York? Are you kidding me? New York and L.A.? They're not relevant in sports. See, even Tone, Boston. Tone hates Boston. Okay? By the way, I've learned one thing, too, since I started talking to people back on the East Coast again. I'm getting my accent back. You know, you got to kind of be a phony in the California area because those people can't think, what are you talking about? They, they, they don't know. Hey, forget about it. You see, see, people in California don't know what forget. Boss, hey, Chicago too, maniac. People don't know what forget about it is. See, well, my, my, my wife's from Dallas, right? So I take her home for the first time. And my, my, my wife goes like this. My wife goes, um, yeah, I'm... Mr. Uh, Mr. Cilio, I'm going to go to the, I'm fixing to go to the store. So my grandfather goes, calls me over and he goes, what's fixing? It's, it's like, I'm about, I'm, I'm, I'm about to go do something. Fixing? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm fixing. I'm fixing to, um, you know, fixing. Folks on a hill. Hey, hey, um, hey, Tone, do me a favor. Send Gary Cobb a link for 430. Let's catch up with our friend at 430, all right? Let me know if you got his email address. Let's see if we can catch up with G Cobb. We'll do him at 430 and then George Foreman at 530. So we'll double dose you here. Way to go, Tone. Thank you. Yeah, forget about it. So and then, and then I and then I tell and then my wife goes, "What are you guys talking about? Get out of it! Forget about it! What, what does that mean?" I'm like, "Yeah, you, you're not, you know, forget about it. Fixing." <laughs> hey, my wife. Hey, listening to my wife talk, man, because she's like a redneck a bit. And you got this guy from the New, New England area, the Northeast, <laughs> a little different. All right, now I'm gonna do something here. Non-selective shots. Tone, everyone. Here's your topic. 
How much credit do you give Chip Kelly for making Howie Roseman a better general manager? Jameson goes, Sills, why are you in a good mood? Fourth of July's coming. Beer drinking and eating. Sills, you versus Kelsey in a drink and who drink? Oh, cue ball. It's a good one. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know. Look at Philly four by absolutely none. I hate Chip. Jeremiah, 100%. When people don't understand when you mean. Oh, so does a Coke. <laughs> Name brand, 100%. None. Chip didn't do anything, JB says. Well, I'm going to put that to the test here in a minute. All the credit. Gave him Stoutland and autonomy. It was not done on purpose with Chip. Chip didn't do anything. How much credit do you give Chip Kelly for Howie Roseman being a better general manager? I give him about 10 to 15% of the credit. Sometimes a bully brings the best out of you. Well, shouldn't it be 100% then? Sales better not be drink. No, no, no. 30%. Here, well, let's, let's take a look at that. And you tell me how much you think Chip Kelly had in the evolution of Howie Roseman being a better general manager. I'm going to ask Gary Cobb this at 4.30 Eastern, too. Chip implemented things that we still do today, but he had zero personality. Chip gets 15% credit. Senor, 10%. Howie was even hesitant to let Chip be GM. It wasn't up to him. The owner had to give it to him. He was a hot commodity. Dude, he he had 100% total control. It wasn't Howie that handed it to him. Okay, here. Let's take a look at this. Chip Kelly, head football coach. And director of operations. From 2013 to 2015. Three years in Philadelphia. Kind of where I'm going. Tones on it. Let's take a look at this. Had a 26 and 21 record. Over a three-year period. So he's about eight and eight as an average. First two years, double-digit wins. Right? Only had one losing season. And if I'm not mistaken, I didn't write this down. Will somebody please help me? Did they not fire Chip before the last game of the regular season in 15? Or was it two games? I thought he didn't totally survive that last year. And it was towards the back end of that schedule that they canned him. Like, did he finish the year in 15? I thought he was fired, like, either the second to the last or the last game. I don't know why that pops up in my head. 
The Eagles were six and nine, but actually under him, they were six and eight. Because am I right when they, he was six and nine? Okay, because that's 15. Okay, so it was two games. It was two games that he was fired before the end of the regular season. Something like that, right? He didn't he didn't run through like the last game of the year, right? It was one game. He was fired before the last. Okay, he was fired before the last game. Okay. Pat Shermer was? Oh, I've forgotten that. Shermer took over? Okay. So from 2013 to 2015, Chip Kelly won the NFC East in 2013. So he's got a division title? I didn't know that. He hired Jeff Stoutland? He brought Stoutland in from the University of Miami. And he introduced Jeff Stoutland to the Eagles? Huh. Would we agree? Let me make this point to you. Is Jeff Stoutland the best coach that the Eagles have hired since Jim Johnson was your D coordinator? Would you compare Jeff Stoutland to Jim Johnson? Would you, would, would you, would you do that? Would you, would you consider Jeff Stoutland as comparable to Jim Johnson, your legendary D coordinator? I would. Okay? I would. So he brought arguably the greatest coach position coach that you've ever had. Okay? I mean, look, e- even when you say that, Pickin, it's close. I revere Jim Johnson. I think he's one of the top five D coordinators in the history of the NFL. So you're saying he brought one of the best coaches, if not an equal to Jim Johnson, into, into, into the coaching staff. Is that correct? Okay. So, gee. He hired your greatest position coach, potentially in Eagle history. He drafted Lane Johnson, a Hall of Famer, and he drafted a pro bowler in Zach Kurtz. What's wrong with this picture? I'm missing it. What happened? That's a pretty... How about this? That's an impactful resume. Is it because he treated people like shit? Well, Belichick treats people like shit. Hey, by the way, I'm not defending. I'm not defending Kelly. I'm asking. I'm not defending Kelly. I am absolutely not. I'm, we're having a conversation again here. I'm asking you, again, the question, how much influence has Chip Kelly brought to where Howie Roseman is as GM? And you guys say 10%? That's not 10% impact. Won a division title, drafted a Hall of Famer, drafted a Pro Bowler, had one losing season in three years.
I think you guys lost to Atlanta in the playoffs. He is 0-1 in the playoffs. Hired the greatest assistant coach in franchise history. Things went left when Lori decided to give Chip full control over the roster in 15, and he traded all of our best players, D-Jax, McCoy, and Macklin. Well, let's, let's review that. What were the first couple years like under Doug with the talent you had on the team? How did the team play after they fired? Until you guys got to 17, how, how good was the team? Let's take a look at that. I, I didn't write this one down. How good was the team, the Eagles? And again, we're having a conversation here. It's not defending Kelly. Doug Peterson coaching record, Philadelphia. Let's see here. Doug Peterson. Philly, 7-9. Then the next year, they went 13-3. and three, And they win the Super Bowl. So the first year, they had a losing season. And they got rid of all those players and still won the Super Bowl? Three years removed from when they fired him? Was he wrong? So you fired him in 15. Doug gets the team at 16 without those players. 17, you win it. Was he wrong to get rid of those players? You won the Super Bowl two years later. How could he have been wrong? You got rid of those guys and still won. I'm missing it. I'm missing it. You got rid of Djax. You got rid of McCoy. You got rid of Macklin. And three years later, you won a Super Bowl. You're talking, you're, you're not making sense. Because at the end of the day, it was the right thing to do. Maybe not the way he did it. But he won without those guys. That sounds oversimplification. If Chip had won that bowl, then I could see your... No, no, no. I'm not... It's not defending him. He, he was right to get rid of him. You didn't need them. You didn't need those guys to win a Super Bowl. You're making it sound like those guys were winning prior. They weren't. You won a division title. He didn't have a losing record there. It was the way that he was counter to the culture they wanted. That's why he was fired. And you had people in the locker room Screaming about the way he did business because he had too much control. How do you know Howie Roseman didn't set the culture this way to have people bitching to get him blown out? Three years later, he won a Super Bowl. Now, this could have came from the owner, too. Hey, I don't like the way this is. 
hey, I don't like the way this is running. I don't like the way that people look at us, and I don't like the way those players in that locker room look at him. I don't like it. At the end of the day, though, Chip wasn't wrong to fire those guys. As much as you loved every one of those guys, he was not wrong to fire them. You didn't need them. Simplifying it? No. The result is, three years later, that roster, some of the players he actually put on that roster, won the Super Bowl. Now, again, circling to the question, how much of that experiment, that three years, influenced Roseman in being the GM that he is? Because to me, can I tell you, it just looks like to me Howie Roseman's Chip Kelly just with a better bedside manner. Am I wrong? Doesn't it just look like Chip didn't have a very good bedside manner. You know why? College coaches don't. Pro coaches, you got to massage a little more because you're paying them. And like I said yesterday, you don't have the margin of error you have in college. So you could kick a kid's ass in college because you get another guy up. But there were fundamental things in Kelly's approach, the defensive side of the ball. But at the end of the day, you guys make it sound like you guys needed um, McCoy and Macklin and these other guys to win the Super Bowl, and you didn't. You just didn't like the way they were blown off your team. Am I wrong? <laughs> Anthony, they, you didn't need them guys. You can't agree with me here. Really. You can't agree with the facts. You didn't need those guys. Okay, Sills, give us Eagle fans Chip's valuable contributions to the 17 squad. Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz, Jeff Stoutland. Nothing? Philly 4 by 4 A Hall of Fame tackle. A guy who made arguably one of the biggest catches in Eagle history. And the best offensive line coach in the NFL. And maybe the best assistant coach in the history of the franchise. I don't know. Hey, you could say whatever you want, JB. Chip, when he was brought to Philadelphia, had final say. Tone's right. In 15, then he had control over the complete roster. But he had final say. I know that for a fact. Whatever. Changing history again. Won't cut it. I'm sorry. Damn, my emotions are tied in it. McCoy should have been traded like... Oh! That's right, Tone. You didn't like his bedside manner. You're right. Howie is doing pretty much the same shit that Chip did, just with better bedside manner. Imagine Frank Wright having D. Jax, Macklin, McCoy, while he was, it didn't matter. You won a Super Bowl. 
Imagine Jameson. I saw you beat the Bra- I saw you beat Brady and the Patriots. It didn't matter. In a roundabout way, Chip told absolutely. Because Howie also saw this. Dude, you can't have an upset. Hey, and here, here's where Howie got better. There's no coincidence that he's been better in the draft. He's been better at free agency. Dude, prior to him taking over again as general manager, you couldn't draft a wideout. You couldn't draft a corner. You couldn't draft a linebacker. You couldn't draft an edge rusher to save your life. Now, 17 of the 22 guys that were in the Super Bowl were Eagles. Dude, Howie's become a really great general manager in the last five years. Not, And, you know, you have to really give him credit, too, because it's been a process for him. Chip also drafted Nelson Aguilar, who was also huge in the Super Bowl that year. But that was his best year. Okay? So four by four, you have five reasons that Chip had an influence in your 17th Super Bowl. I don't know. You're saying Chip. Y'all saying Chip walked so we could run. I'm saying he had a huge influence on what and not how to treat people like shit. I'll tell you this too. Howie Roseman and Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson didn't have the best personality. And I'll say this to you. I think Doug Peterson wanted the same kind of control that Chip wanted. And the Eagle Brass was not going to go for that 2.0 trip again. Doug got camped because they weren't going down that Chip Kelly route. They weren't. This thing was going to be run by the front. By the way, they're right. They're not wrong. I'm, I'm def- I think you guys are thinking I'm defending Chip. I'm talking about a process and what's making how I think he had a lot to do with how he's success right now. I think he had a lot to do with it. I think he has, I think he's had a lot. Hey, look, look at the contract negotiation with Jalen Hurts. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like that. A $255 million deal cut that Cut like that with no backlash, nothing. You got a running back in New York that's moaning. You got a running back in Las Vegas that's moaning. You haven't heard shit from Cincinnati and Los Angeles with the Chargers on Herbert. That whole charade that we went through in Baltimore, you cut a $255 million deal without any noise? I don't know. Dude, I'll tell you what, that's a pretty, that's a stroke of genius too. Where'd he get that from? This guy's a loud dude. He's a loud guy. He's out taking victory laps now for Hertz and calling you guys the evil people because you guys didn't like the pick and you were shitting all over the pick. And he's making it seem like I said this yesterday that you guys all of a sudden now believe in him. When he didn't even believe in Hurts. 
cue ball. Seals, you're like my favorite uncle at times. The one that smokes and brings a different girl in every family barbecue. A cue ball. I'm just having a conversation on why I think your boy's better. Chip Kelly, are you trying to tell me this resume that he had in in Philadelphia is a horrible one? You want to look at horrible? Go back and look at look at Campbell's coaching record. Go back and look at Kotai. Even even Ray Rhodes. NFC cha- NFC East champs in 13, hired Stoutland, drafted Lane Johnson, Nelson Aguilar, who had big year that year, the Super Bowl season. Zach Hurts was 26 and 21. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm that he got fired because he was an asshole. Sounds like to me the same reason Doug Peterson was fired. They thought Doug was an asshole too at the end. <laughs> I mean, I think putting Chip on such a high pedestal, I'm not putting him on any pedestal. If you think putting him on a high pedestal by just reading his resume off to you and what he did in Philly, sorry, dude, if you think that's a high pedestal, I'm just reading what he did. Once again, I'm reading what he did. You're putting, like Tone says, emotion into it. You're making it sound like D-Jax and Macklin and Shady were needed. They were not needed. And, 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 and the narrative in Philly is, look how he treated those guys. Three years later, he won the Super Bowl. Did it matter? First year under Doug, they were 7-9. and nine. Were the Eagles not going through a small transition during that time, too, on the back end of those two double-digit win seasons he started with? Weren't they going through a roster transition? Sure looks it to me. When you go back and look on the talent that they had, they were going through a transition, especially at the quarterback position. And that's when they end up getting Wentz. Now, I'm just talking about you in general. So that's all right, man. Anthony, chill. I'm totally. Dude, if you think me talking sports upsets me in any way, you're out of your mind. I get upset when someone talks about my kid, not sports. You have me confused. I don't I don't get upset when I talk sports. I get passionate. There's a difference. Fan and fanatic, there's this much difference between being insane. Okay? Relax, dude. I don't get upset with this. How about if we keep those guys, perhaps they could have won. But that's not what happened. Philly, you didn't need them. 
So many things had to happen for the Eagles to win that Super Bowl. Along with Chip's roster moves, remember Rodgers broke his collarbone? That's right, because the playoffs, a hey, hey, Tone, was it like the NFC title game, Foles versus Case Keenum or some shit like that? And Zeke was suspended for half the year. Nonetheless, I will take this. Hey, yeah, again, that's that's nothing on Philly's side, but am I right when I say that the NFC championship game was like Case Keenum versus like um, Case Keenum versus Foles? I mean, it had to be the worst Super Bowl or um, NFC title game matchup in history. Case Keenum was on fire that year. But, I mean, Case Keenum and Nick Foles. Two backups playing as starters in the NFC title game. No wonder they don't want the quarterbacks hit anymore. Okay. It's part of football injuries. Maniac, absolutely. I'm going to ask Gary Cobb this question. He'll be with us at 4.30 Eastern time. Also, the legendary George Foreman is going to join us. At 5.30 Eastern time, you've got a brand new movie out, the two-time legendary heavyweight champion of the world. You know, we kind of like to go off the rails a little bit and get people like that on. Gary Sheffield, apologize, will be on with us on Friday. So we got that to look forward to. Something I said yesterday about, about Howie, I want, I, want to, I want to reset that because someone sent me an email from over at the Novacare Center. And I, I, I want to make sure that this thing lands right with Howie and Jalen Hurts. Hit the like button. Hour two, keep it here on the National Football Show. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. 
And if you join our Winter Watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, Birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. What a thank you, Eagle fans. I'm sending a message for you. I want to thank all season ticket holders for the Philadelphia Eagles. You guys are amazing. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wonderful on what you've done for a man. It's almost like you guys started a GoFundMe page. <laughs> Tone's waiting for it to drop, aren't you, Tone? <laughs> I, just, I just want to thank you. Congratulations, man. Man. Could you please start a GoFundMe page for me so that you could give me generational wealth? Please, I'm begging you. I'm more talented than the guy you started a GoFundMe page for. It's unbelievable. I can't believe it. Man. And this guy's so less talented than me. Unbelievable. Man, tone even. His friends, you personally, have started a GoFundMe page. Okay? So Jonathan Gannon just bought a $10 million house in Arizona? Congratulations, Eagle fans. You made that guy a billionaire. This guy lives like Donald Trump in Arizona, man. He bought yesterday a $10 million house. 7,000 square feet. Man, boy, Eagle fans are great, man. No, no, he says the Cardinals. No, 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 no. You gave that stiff the opportunity to get that job. Told you, well, the Cardinals were the suckers. The Eagles were the starters. Man. Eagle fans, man. Look at what you did. You propelled that guy to get him a paycheck to buy a $10 million house. Man, that must be cool. Wow. Man, look what you did for him. Propped him up. You know what you did? You shined up like a lemon. Put new rims on it. AMC package. That bitch is looking up, shocks up and down, ready to roll. This thing's look like a 64 Impala, man. All chromed out, looking good. 
Yes, sir, baby. May have even dropped the 357 in there. Mm. Send that baby out on the street. Congratulations, your boy graduated. He got a $10 million house. Holy cow, good for him, man. Taking advantage of the system. <laughs> Woo! You want hey, you want to get shined up like a nice shiny nickel? You go to Philly, baby. You can any hey, everybody became a billionaire last year. The quarterback got paid big. Gardner Johnson got paid big. Kaiser White got paid big. TJ got paid big. Jane Steichen got paid big. Gannon got a $10 million house. Damn, and he lost the Super Bowl. Can you imagine if that guy was actually... Dude, who in their right mind thinks that a guy's focused on the Super Bowl when he's out house hunting for $10 million? Let me ask you that again. Hey, Tone, you're, you're, you're preparing for the Super Bowl knowing full well you're getting a Cardinal job. Your wife brings you house listings, and they're in the $10 million range. Are You're, you're working over a Kansas City Chief game. <laughs> or are you looking over a house? Are you looking over houses in Scottsdale? Holy cow, man. Well, let me see here. Where, where, where's the game plan for the Chiefs? I'm looking at listings. <laughs> mm. Dude, that makes me shiver. Woo! Holy shit. Hang on. If I'm a Philly fan and I just heard Jonathan Gannon bought a $10 million house yesterday, what's the expression on my face, Tone, and everyone else? Ow! Ow! No, you're right. He's 100% focused on that Super Bowl. Yeah. Scottsdale, 10 mil. Shined him up. Cardinal saw him, man. Well, he's got to be good. He's in Philly. So you think if that guy's a D coordinator, the Jags, he's buying a $10 million house in Arizona. He ain't getting that job. Wow. Man. Holy cow. Good for him. Honestly, he took complete advantage of his situation against some of the shittiest teams that they've played over two years, couldn't defend one big-time quarterback, and – he gets a gigantic deal. Dude, you're, you're clearly making $8 million a year if you're buying a $10 million house. Wow. And I think he was a product of his players, not him. He couldn't, he couldn't do his shitting thing. And every time he needed something, he went to Howie and he ran to Howie. He ain't got Howie out there. Ooh, man. Don't put that shit on us. We didn't hire Gannon. No. You shined him up to get hired. 
and you made him into something he wasn't. You made people think he's better than he is because you're the Eagles. You hire from Philly. Look at the coaches around the NFL. Look at the general managers. Must be good. Let's get down to business. Got satellite for my tent, says Maniac. Yeah, I I talked to my aunt back in Connecticut on my coffee cup and my kite string. Hey, help. (laughs) Help. Come on, Sills, all bad teams. Higher height coaches. The Eagles aren't bad. Damn. 10 mil. This here, here, this is how I see it. Look at this Jonathan Gannon, man. Any buyers? We're at Sotheby's. Next bidder, eight million bucks. <laughs> Sold. And then he sells you out in the Super Bowl. And people in Philly try to cover for it. Freaking Eagles don't even cover for him. When the Eagles give you, hey, I learned something about your Philadelphia Eagles. When they don't cover for you, by the way, I'll show you exactly. When Jalen Carter was asked that question by that idiotic media guy, his first day when he was in Philly, they ran to that guy's defense. When that whole tampering scenario came out, The Eagles hit you with a prepared statement because they don't want to say anything that could go in one direction or the other because they're not commenting on it anymore. If they don't want to say anything, they'll have a prepared statement. and It'll be memorized from the GM down. What about Gannon? Organizations, that was more of an ownership thing. The people on Park Avenue dealt with that. We're here to play football, and we move on. That's old news. (laughs) Oh, I could have swore I heard that from every single guy that's been asked that question in that organization. Okay? Seals thinks Eagles ticket holders are – you missed the entire point as usual. You missed the entire point, jackass. You missed the entire point. The entire point. You think that guy who's buying a $10 million house, that's a one-day thing? That guy's been looking for that house since he's been told he's going to be the head coach and it kind of went in. You don't think his wife was looking for houses when he was out there as the coordinator of the Super Bowl and she was not in Scottsdale looking for a house and telling Gannon all the things and having him go around looking at the areas? Oh, what do you think? That's a good, really? And the, and, and the league even admitted to the tampering. They admitted it. Well, this goes on all the time. Yeah, but guess what? I don't care. This is what I say to people who say that. I don't give a shit. It was the Super Bowl. We're not talking about a 8-9 and nine team. We're talking about a team playing the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. You know, it's funny. Does this go on all the time? Yeah, but Super Bowl, during the Super Bowl week, 
On preparation? No. <laughs> now, this is a mentality, okay? This is a mentality. So you, 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 you got to know my man, Tony. It's a mentality. All I know is Gannon better not step foot in Philly. <laughs> or it's his ass. Just saying. Just saying. Oh, by the way, I thought this was pretty cool here. Okay. Gannon's my boy. Rich Gannon? Yeah. <laughs> Rich Gannon's my boy. Okay. So Lane Johnson came up with the guys who he thinks have been some of the toughest opponents for him to have to block so far in his career. I think it's a pretty interesting... I think it's a pretty interesting uh, list here. Okay. Foles can live rent-free. Oh, I got to bring this up to to Gary Cobb, man. By the way, don't forget George Foreman's joining us at 530 Eastern. And G. Cobb joins us now. Let's bring G. Cobb here. Hey, uh, Gary, I got to tell you, man. Um, Jonathan Gannon just bought a $10 million house yesterday. <laughs> Is that so? Is that so, huh? Yeah. Hey, 0.2. God bless him. What's that? 10.2. 10.2, huh? Hey, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I said this, Gary. Yeah. You gotta love Philly fan, man. They shined him up, hey. put on put new tires on that clunker, man, sent his ass out there. So yeah. let me get this right. He was preparing for the Super Bowl, and his wife is out there all enjoying the Arizona like festivities and not house hunting. And those guys are not doing interviews on getting the oh no, but it was all about focusing on the Chiefs. Yeah. Well, I tell you, you know, that that's that just leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. I'm telling you, you know. Uh, when he comes back through here, I tell you what, he, he probably needs some security. No. <laughs> <laughs> I told, hey, my boy Toad just goes like this. He better not step his ass out here in Philly, man, because no. that's not going to go well. No, I mean, you know, you can get beat, but if you, you know, that just leaves a bad taste. That's See, that's something that, that the league has to protect that, you know, come on, man, handle your business. You know, which is the business. The first thing, it's going to lead to this. But you know, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't do that, man. Where you know you, you, you know, and I, I don't know what his mindset was and everything. But my goodness, it doesn't look good, man. It doesn't look like you, you, um, you went all the way to make sure that you take care of the people who help you get this opportunity. Come on, I mean, you're gonna. I mean, that, that's 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 just a bad. Bad feel, and I can tell you that in Philadelphia, that does not go well. I mean, if you lose with an honest effort, okay, 
we we don't like it. But if you don't give an honest effort, I'm sorry. Don't even come near the don't come near don't come around here because that's not gonna go well. I'm telling you. That's a, I'm with a you, bad man. taste. That's not of an honest mouth. effort, man. That's to me, it's it, that, that's even more to it, too, Gary. Yeah. It's not an honest effort, man. I mean, no. people go like this. Well, this shit goes on all the time. I'm like, yeah, it goes on when you're talking about eight and nine teams. That's not right. Super Bowl week against the Chiefs. Come on, not Super Bowl week. Come on, man. You're supposed to be all focused on that game, man. Come on. You know, you know how you know how hard it is to get there and see that's right now where everybody's talking. You know how hard it is to get back. When you're there, you're focused. Come on, you know how bad of a taste. I mean, losing is not, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. So to do it like that, I mean, that is a bad stitch. I would tell him, if he comes back through here, he needs to wear some makeup <laughs> and some type of, you know. <laughs> Dude. I hear you, man. Gary, no, I want to leave come you here. Don't here where everybody can see who you are, man, because they – that does not play well here in Philadelphia, boy. I'm going to play a little a little game with you here. Who am I? NFC champion coach. Hired Jeff Stoutman. Drafted Lane Johnson, Nelson Aguilar, Zach Ertz, and had a 26-21 and 21 record. Who am I? Well, you, you, you're, you're talking about... Um... Uh, what's something? But the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars now, right? Uh, oh, really? No, it's Chip Kelly. Oh, it's Chip Kelly. Oh boy, how do you like that, man? That's right. How about this one too? Let me ask you this. Yeah, Chip Kelly, man, boy, that that UCLA thing, boy. Mm. How about like I said though? Yeah, 2013 NFC champs. Yeah, hired Stoutman. True. Drafted Lane Johnson, Zach Kurtz, Aguilar had a great. Aguilar had a great year in 17 to help the Super Bowl team. That's right. Yes, he did. I saw, in fact, I saw him at the is, Super Bowl this year. What's that? Um, my question to you is um, actually, that's right. It's still a there's still still some some remnants from Chip, even in this Super Bowl run here. Yes. With some of the people that are still on the roster and in the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. How much of an influence do you think Chip Kelly had on Howie Roseman? on being where he is today as a general manager? Well, I, I don't think it's so much chip uh, as it was the fact that, um, you know, he got booted out. You know, chip took over, you know, the fact that he was demoted, you know, and I, I think that um, that made him go back and take a look at himself. I think it, it made him, you know, I think it made him tougher. Um, I think he probably evaluated, you know, things he did right, things he did wrong. If I had this op- opportunity again, what I would do. Uh, but I think he's come back. He's, he's, um, I think he's smarter. You know, I think he looked at, um, the way he put together a team and certain things he did, you know, he made some mistakes and he admitted, it, you know, he made some mistakes because just putting together all-star team, that's not, that's not what it's about. The players have to fit, meaning the some of the personalities. You got to consider some of that, and uh, and then you got to make sure that you know you bring in hungry players. You know you got to have hungry players. So what he does a great job of is um, 
You know, you, you're not trying to put together an all-star team. Gary, but let me, let me, let me stop yeah. here and say this to you here on him. Mm-hmm. One, one thing, though, I'm not defending him. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, was it more so his bedside manner? Because, you know, I hear people go like this. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, he fired Macklin, he got rid of DJX, and he got rid of Shady. Well, get this. Three years later, you guys won the Super Bowl without those guys. Doug's mm-hmm. first year, they were seven and nine. Yeah. At the end of the day, he was fired because he was an asshole, most likely. Not because of anything and how he was, but to me, it was more of his bedside manner and how he dealt with the players. Is that fair? Are you talking about Chip? Yeah. Are you talking about Chip? Yeah, I think that, you know, Chip didn't play They well didn't because... need Shady. Well... Yeah, I, I guess, well, it, you know, I mean, the way it worked out, you still normally, um, you're not getting, you don't get rid of good players. I mean, um, you know, these but they guys. they won, Gary. Gary, they won two years later. Yeah, I, I, I give them credit for that. Um, but at the same time, you know, um, <laughs> most of the time, you, you're you not getting rid of good players. Guys who had you know, outstanding careers after that. I mean, they had big time careers after that. So, so I, you know, I, I you know, I don't know what his thinking was, why he, he got rid of them and things, but you know, that, that's, that's, that's the way I look at it. But um, you know, the way it worked out, you know, but they had to go out and find additional talent. They didn't necessarily just win with the guys that Chip got, you know, they went out and got other guys. So it wasn't where Chip, you know, the team that Chip put on the field, uh, they didn't outperform those guys, though. The guys he put on the field, they were disappointing. They had a disappointing year. So I can't give Chip that. No, I, I don't think Chip did a good job because I think he got rid of some of their better players. And the guys he brought in did not outperform, you know, uh, Deshaun Jackson and and uh, and LaShawn McCoy. They didn't, they didn't outperform those guys. But they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, after they went out and got different players. Now it's true. No, no. Howie, this is why I'm saying. Yeah, Howie did a great Howie job. Howie become a better GM after that whole experience. Yes, I, I think he did. Dealing with how 
Chip dealt with players too. Yes, that I, I he, think he became a better the GM. players better. Yeah, I think he did. A, he's a better GM now. Uh, uh, and and Howie does a good job with uh, you know the the uh, player relations, you know, uh, and then getting no players. Plus, I think Howie's best too is Howie doesn't do it. He hires good people, good player evaluators too. And then you know you got a guy and you trust him. Okay. You get somebody that's good at his job, and you notice they continue to be picking up Howie's guys. You know, they look at the people that Howie's hired, and you see the other organizations grabbing his people, see? So he gets good people, and then he will let them have – he doesn't try to do everything. And see, that's a thing where you've got to know your strengths and your weaknesses, and I think Howie's better at that. He knows what he's strong at, but then he'll get somebody else that he – he feels strong in a certain area, and he will believe him. And and uh, so he does a great job of that. So um, I think he's done a great job where he knows his strengths and his weaknesses. I don't know that he knew that before, but See, now and, he's, and, and 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 again, I think that's the influence with this Chip Kelly thing is that I, I you think know, so. and he totally has a better bedside manner yes. with his players. Then yes. what Chip did, Chip didn't get how you play defense in the NFL. You can't have a hundred guys there. Let me throw yeah. this at you here. That's right. Who do you think had a better rookie season for the Eagles as a one-year, first-year player, Hassan Reddick or A.J. Brown? Woo! Now, get this on Hassan. Hassan, I didn't know this until Tone told me yesterday. He led the NFL in third-down sacks, and he led the NFL in forced fumbles, and he had 16 sacks. Uh, You know, know, uh, A.J. started out so hot. I mean, he had some big games there. And then, um, <clears throat> boy, that's really tough to say which one of them had. Because they both, you know, were dominant players on their side of the ball. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, boy, man, that, that that is really tough to say because <laughs> it's a tough I question. didn't know Hassan had, you know, you know, Gary, you and I could sit there and go, he can't cover, you know, backs and tight ends, mm-hmm. but – Dude, you're first on third down sacks. That's impact plays. Yes. Then he had forced fumbles, number one. And he takes the quarterback out in the NFC title game. I mean, then you look at AJ, 1,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, 90-plus catch. I mean, Jesus, criminy. Both these guys were just sensational in their first year with the Eagles. Yes, that's really hard to say that because both of them were dominant – you know, uh, AJ made his uh, presence felt early, you know, uh, so everybody's trying to take him away. So now these other guys are bashing your brains out. Hassan got as uh, he finished strong, man. 19 and a half sacks counting the playoffs. He finished strong. Wow. So, I, you know, those guys, man, that is a tough question, which I, I still I don't know about making um, man, I, I, I'll, I'll go with Hassan, uh, giving him the, the nod because he finished so strong, you know, uh, because he, come on, he, he closed did. out the playoffs. He, he closed out the playoffs for the Eagles, took them to say, we're going to the Super Bowl. He probably had more to do it than he, anybody. Did he could. surprise you more than AJ? Um, I didn't think I, AJ yeah, was I, this know, player. I didn't think AJ was his player because if you go back, Gary, and look at his Tennessee stats, 
Uh-huh. They're not overly impressive. Now, maybe they just didn't know how to use it because well, they didn't Henry throw there. the ball. You know, they didn't throw the ball very much. You got to realize, you know, you, you know that that uh, he wasn't the the number one weapon in the offense, and so uh, at times, you know, I don't, I don't think they and they could have been more creative. Now, I think it could get worse this year. I mean, from a standpoint that how are you going to stop this guy? Like I said, with all these other weapons, and um, you know. And he and uh, Devontae, you know, Devontae is a route runner. And, and uh, you know, he's becoming a better route runner because he's over there around Devontae all the time. Because he's got the tools where he's so big and so strong and fast and everything that he doesn't have to run every route, you know, so precise. But he's getting that part of it because he's around Devontae. So I think he's becoming a better route runner. And now, you, you know, you know all the talent he got. And then times... I'm standing over there. He walks by. I'm going, no way that dude should be playing wide receiver, man. You're a tight end, man. You're not no wide receiver. <laughs> How big he is. Yeah. He's a he's a big man. And so uh, I, I expect big things out of him this year. I mean, you know. Oh, no, a, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Let me, let, me, let me ask you this. When it comes to breakout years, Devontae, Dallas Goddard, and obviously everyone's going to talk about Jalen Carter, but I'm talking about those two guys that have kind of established themselves. Mm-hmm. Last year, Devontae had a, a great year, 90-plus catches, 1,100 yeah. yards, Goddard. Between those two guys, who do you think has a chance at the better career year? Well, I, I think uh, Goddard is going to probably have a better – it's going to, you know, he got to got hurt last year. Yep. Because Goddard would have been still a pro- at 700 yards. Yeah. He would have been the Pro Bowl tight end. See? Yep. <clears throat> so I think he's probably, you know, if he stays healthy, he's going to have a big year. You know, uh, do I think Devontae's going to have a better year than he had last year? Probably yard wise. He probably will. You know, he probably will have more yards. Um, But I don't know if he's going to have as many catches. I don't know if it's going to be 90 catches. Uh, But, uh, you know, I think both of them are going to have big years because. You look at all these weapons, a defense has to say, okay, now we cannot, we can't double everybody now. They, they go out, look, such and such, you got to cover this guy, you know? So uh, the the defensive coordinator is going to have to go in the game. They're going to tell their guys, look, man, hey, Joey, you got him, man. You got to you gotta have a big, you got to cover this guy. We can't give you help all the time. You can't help everybody. So, They've got so many weapons, man. Really, and then you know, all the time they got that offensive line, you know, aimed at you. You know, it's like a guy guy pull a gun on you. You got that offensive line aimed at you all the time, so you got to be thinking run. You got to at least respect that that threat of the run, and you can't help everybody. Come on, you know, when you come out in the defense, you got to be thinking about what are the you know the things that are the priorities. And of course, people are going to be thinking about the big play. Uh, they don't want to give up big plays. Well, that, you know, they, then the Eagles always going to be able to run the ball against people. So um, it, it's going to be a year, which we're going to see how much improvement they can make, but I think they're going to be a better offense this year. Let me, let me, let me stop you on that and expand on that. Um, mm-hmm. So, okay. So Brian Westbrook came on, uh, this week and basically said that, hey, um, I want to see this guy running less. We talked about yes. it last week, Gary. Yes, correct. Emil talked about saying, I want to run him as much. 
Um, do you think the Eagles want to keep that out there as vague as possible? And how? And do you think that again, the one thing that they have the advantage on, like kind of like what New England did during the Brady era, they're not going to be one game pass. They're not going to be a centric pass team like you say in Kansas City. They're going to be like the chameleon team. Whatever your personnel has its weakness, if they can't yes. stop the run, uh-huh. we're going to go 250 on you on the run. Yes. If your corners – like look at New England in the first week. New England has two great edge rushers. They're not bad in the middle. Their linebackers are pretty good. Mm-hmm. But outside of the kid Gonzalez they just drafted, there's not a guy at 5'10". I don't know. To me, sounds like to me, I'll put A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas yes. Goddard in the passing game. Yep, and I'll put that, and I'll put the ball up in the air against those guys because Correct. I don't think your personnel can match up. Do you think it's going to be more that kind of mentality week yes. in and week out? Yes, that's what it's going to be. I mean, that's what it was last year, and uh, they had success doing that, uh, where they go into the game and they look at the area of the, the the defense that they're playing, the weaknesses, and they say we're going to exploit this. You know, th- this is not a good matchup for them. You know, we. We got, you know, we're, we're uh, much stronger in that area. Uh, so, uh, and, and still at the same time, they are going to enforce their will to say, we, we want to run the ball. We will run the ball. I mean, you don't tell us, nobody can tell us we're not running the ball. We will run the ball on you. But most of the time, what they will do is they'll jump out early on you and then they'll go ahead and let the clock run out by running the ball down your throat. See, that's what they like to do. They like to come out. Jump on you, you know. It's like a, a boxing match. Come out, the guy's hitting you with everything, <laughs> and then later on, he's gonna start giving them, them body blows, taking your legs away from you, and 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 that's what the Eagles will do. They will they will come out, they will jump on you immediately, going through the air, get a lead, and then they're gonna just run out the time by running the ball down your throat. That's what they like to do. That's funny you should say that because, again, you know we're getting uh, George Foreman on. George Foreman used to always tell me this. He goes, man, I'm not looking to win rounds. I'm looking to win the fight. Yes. And um, uh, I'm going to win the fight. <laughs> That's- Whether you think I won the first two rounds or not, I could give a shit about that. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to win the fight here. One <laughs> last question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think Howie before September makes one last big move? I, I could see, A, I think, B, or I, C type I, of move. I don't think it's going to – I think it's probably going to be a B or a C. It's not going to be A move. It's going to be a B or C because I think right now, <clears throat> what I said earlier, I think they need more on the linebacker position. Uh, and I'm, I'm talking about insurance, meaning a guy who's played in the NFL that's a veteran linebacker that we know can step in there and play because you got, you got a lot of young – you're sending young kids out there and you don't know – Gary, why they, don't they prioritize that position? Well, they don't prioritize it because the game has changed so much. It's not really a running game. You know, people don't, you know, it's not run where a team will just come out and run and run and run. No, people attack you through the air. They got to be able to throw the ball. The teams that win are the teams that throw the ball, you know, like the best quarterbacks. The best quarterbacks are on the teams that win. And so that's why it's, it's not a priority because, you know, nobody comes out and just, you know, just going to run the ball. You know, nobody's running the ball like Dallas used to do. Nobody does that. that the better teams in the league. In fact, let me ask you, who, who led the league in rushing last year? The, the, the running back led the league in rushing last year. Nobody even knows. And you know it wasn't like that. When we were growing up, come on, everybody knew. Who was the, who led the league in rushing? You know, you knew. 
Who were now, the big backs in your time, Gary? I mean, you're a ten plus year guy. I mean, mm-hmm. even even my brief time. I mean, we had Dickerson and yeah. Gerald Riggs who yes. led the NFL in rushing. I Correct. mean, there were big time backs like yes. who were just monster. Even the one year after Dickerson. Maybe you remember in 87, after the year that Eric left um, Los Angeles, even Charles White had 1,200 yards. And he had a marginal NFL career, but he was fabulous at SC. I mean, what happened to that position? Well, you know, know, they they don't build the offense around the running game. I mean, even though, like, let's say with the Eagles – uh, they have the running game, but they don't feature the running game, meaning like they go to the running game after they built a league. That's what they try to do because they want to throw the ball because the other teams can score so quickly. So it's the passing game because especially also because of the way they protect the quarterback in the NFL now. Uh, also, of course, you know that if you're a wide receiver, chances are you're going to get a passing interference penalty if there's if in doubt, it's they're throwing the flag on the defense. Okay. So it's tougher to stop the passing game now. And you're not able to be as you cannot maim a wide receiver anymore. You can't do that. You know, you so they protect the wide receivers and they do not have wide receivers getting knocked out like it used to be. Used to be, you tell the dude, if I catch you over coming across this middle, I'm gonna knock you out, man. You know, guys knew when they're coming over the middle. Man, you know, um, they, I, I know, I mean, I don't know how many of them guys were, you know, if they weren't knocked out, they were just about knocked out. Dude, I'll tell you, man, coming across the Gary, somebody just brought up Gerald Riggs, and I, I was on the field in Atlanta. Remember mm-hmm. the old baseball stadium that they used to play yeah, at, Fulton I, County or yeah. whatever the hell that thing was? Yeah, I'm yeah. sitting there, Irv Randall, John Randall's brother, and yeah. he's playing linebacker. And Jeff Davis, maybe you remember him, too, as the linebacker for the Bucks and uh, – yep. We're sitting there in the mud, man. He blows his knee out. He was never the same. And this is a guy that had 200 rushing yards against the Eagles one game. Yes, yes. And, man, he I think he led the NFL in rushing a year yes, before. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Dude, those guys were horses back in the day, weren't they? Big big guys. I mean, uh, well, you know, well, for instance, like uh, the, the, the uh, Tennessee Titans, who tried to do it old-fashioned. Yep. They, they haven't been successful with that. You know, where you – where you got a feature back, you're giving them the ball all the time. They haven't been able to get it done that way. And um, so, I, I, you know, clearly this is a different game. you got to be able to throw the football in order to stay up with the best teams in the league. you got to be able to throw the ball effectively. I mean, you got to have, you know, some strike ability where, boom, can look up that seven, bam, seven. You got to be able to do that. And if you, you can't do that, you can't play with those type of offenses. Can, can you imagine if Andre Risen and Jerry Rice and all them guys back Woo. in the day were in today's game? I mean, wow. you're telling me you couldn't touch them guys going down the sidelines? You ain't catching Andre Risen. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, dude, <laughs> right. that guy was a horse, man. You, you're, not, you're not catching him. Gary, great catching up with you as always. All right. Thank you so much for taking time with me, as you always do, and you always find time. Hey, and I'll you tell want- you that, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of been kind of busy. Like, uh, Friday, we had a big Ron Jaworski thing and all the Eagles players there. And then uh, on Monday, I had the um, thing up in um, North Jersey with all the Jets and the Giants. So I got to hear that, that all that noise up there. That's <laughs> <I> had, uh, <laughs> 
Dude, so the Jets and the Giants fans must – oh, wait. Well, no, no, Jets these are players. Fans. No, these are players. These are players. But, but, but I got to tell golf, you, man, the Jets tournament. guys are chirping a lot, man, because yeah. they think they're Super Bowl contenders yeah. now. They, they, those guys are talking. They think they got they got something up there. I said, look, hold hold your horses, you know. Say, you guys haven't smelled the playoffs, so you could be you could be smelling something, and it's not the playoffs because – you guys haven't smelled the playoffs in so long. You don't know what it smells like. You know? Hey, Gary, they haven't been Super Bowl contenders since Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll catch you next week, Gary. Thank All right. You, my Have friend. a good one. All right. You got it. The legendary Gary Cobb, Fox 29. Make sure you check him out always and please hit the like button. Don't forget George Foreman, 530 Eastern. He will jump on with us. Got a brand new movie out. One of the legendary sports personalities of all time is going to step on here on the National Football Show. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Todd DeGann has got a $10.2 million house. Mm. <laughs> oh my god dude he should be sending he should be sending every single philadelphia eagle fan 10 bucks for the rest of his life for what they've done for him honestly man this guy, he's he wasn't even that good a coordinator to get that kind of salary. Holy shit. Dude, I got in the wrong business. You don't have to be very good at coaching to make a ton of money. You don't have to be very good. Jonathan Gannon bought a $10 million house, being completely unprepared for the Super Bowl, completely laying an egg in that game, and now he's one of the highest paid guys in the country in coaching. How'd that happen? Dude, how did that happen? Good night. I guess Bill Belichick makes $20 million. I guess Jonathan Gannon's at the bottom. I don't know, man. Does Sirianni make that money? How much money does Nick Sirianni make? How much money does he make as a coach? Does anyone know what his salary is? Like, what's Nick's, what's Nick's salary? I think that's a good point to hit on. By the way, how many years left does he have on his contract? How many years left does Nick Sirianni have on his contract as head coach of the Eagles? Looks like everybody's getting a raise. Looks like everybody uh, that was on the coaching staff got big money. How much money does Sirianni get per year? What's his salary? Got He's got to be making more than eight. Am I right? Pretty good. Two million a year. Nick Sirianni makes $2 million a year? No, can't be. The coordinator at Miami offensively makes that. He can't be making that. That's numbers not public. Bill Belichick makes $20 million. I saw it the other day. What do you mean it's not public? John Payton just signed a $20 million, $22 million per year deal. What are you talking about? It's not public. Here. How much does this guy make a year? Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni salary, 2023 head coach, Eagles. He makes between six and seven million bucks. Six to seven million dollars. Full contracts worth 30 to 35 million. This guy needs a raise, doesn't he? When is Nick Sirianni's contract up? Huh. So wait a minute. They just extended the guy in um, Buffalo. Sirianni's going into his third year of a five-year deal, right? 
Do you extend him now? Do you extend him now? If you're if you are the Eagles, do you extend Nick Sirianni two years? Shit, man. Sean McDermott's got an extension for four years, five years. He's still what, 27? What's he done up there? You guys are so high on him. I'm talking Sirianni. Is it time to give Nick Sirianni a contract extension? Sirianni, Siri, I agree. How many people, look at this. He's been to the playoffs two years in a row. He's improved the quarter. Hey, let's take a look at that. Doesn't he deserve more of an extension than what Sean McDermott did? His team took a backstage this year or took a uh, step backwards last year. So let's look at this. Of the of the three years going into his third year that he's been the head coach of the Eagles, they've made the playoffs twice. They got an NFC title. They've won the NFC East. He's 2-2 two and two in the playoffs. He's developed the quarterback. He's helped the culture stay where they want. I mean, shit. I could show you coaches all over the league who haven't done anything remotely close to that. Now, what I think of him is irrelevant to what, again, I just wrote down on paper. He makes six million bucks. That's kind of like 15th, 17th. I mean, Bill O'Brien just signed a $5 million contract as the offensive coordinator in New England. So he's making a couple million dollars more than an OC in New England? (laughs) Doesn't sound like they think highly of the guy. When does Nick get his rewards? And not pat on the backs. Like, is Nick Sirianni a $10 million a year guy? Here, let's take a look at this. On how much Jonathan Gannon got per year. This ought to be interesting. How much is Jonathan Gannon's salary in 2023? What is Jonathan Gannon's yearly salary as the Arizona Cardinals head coach? Gannon was making one to three million dollars as a coordinator in Philly. So he, he he's kind of in the same room there a little bit with Nick. So Jonathan Gannon makes more than Nick Sirianni. <laughs> and you're gonna try to tell me once again that he was focused on being your DC in the Super Bowl. When this guy now has a bigger paycheck, he's got more say in an organization. He bought a $10 million house, but he was worried about cover two. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Hey, 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 yeah. And you get to keep more of your taxes because of your shitty tax code you have in Pennsylvania. Arizona's a tax-free state. So he gets to keep even more of his money that he stole from Arizona. So hang on here. Yeah, you're right. He was probably unbelievably focused 
as your decoy. See, this bugs me. Because I think he shortchanged the Eagles in a true effort to try to help you win a Super Bowl. And you needed every single bit of everyone's A game to beat Mahomes and Reed. And you didn't get it. And you didn't get it. The more shit I hear out of Arizona about that guy, the more I think that guy's a bullshit artist. And it it does rub me the wrong way. If BG can bitch about the Astro turf or the ground or the turf in Arizona, I can bitch about Jonathan Gannon not giving you an effort. Okay? Not giving you the effort you needed. Everyone on that, I, hey, I say this to you. Shane Steichen, Miles Sanders even complained the fact that, he, now, I, I, I agree with Tone. He put the pill on the floor, actually twice. But they got nervous and got away from him. Fuck, dude, the guy had 1,300 yards. Because he has two mistakes in a game, you don't go away from a guy who's a pro bowler because he drops the ball. You got to keep going to him. That'd be like Iverson. Well, he missed his first 10 shots. You want him to stop shooting? Hell no. Shoot more. You have to know your personnel, man. If Allen Iverson goes 0 for 10, and he's, he's, he, I'm not telling him to stop shooting. I'm going to tell him to shoot more. Dude, don't stop. This is what you, I'm not telling Steph Curry to stop. Hey, Steph, you're 0 for 14. Don't shoot. Screw that. You crazy? Okay. I would have ran the shit out of him. Me too, Neil. Neil, I would have too. Last game anyway. Blows his knee out. I don't care. It's part of the game. We all agree Philly didn't use Sanders properly. Again, I mean, okay, so he put the ball on the ground. He had 1,300 yards. You're going to just completely ignore that? It hurts you in the fourth quarter because you couldn't control the clock or field position. When you couldn't establish the running game in the fourth, that was the thing they needed to get back in the game because there were three three and outs. Remember in the game? Remember you guys even pointed it out. You can't have that many three and outs against Kansas City in a Super Bowl. Dude, you can have three or four or five three and outs versus Washington. You can't do that against Kansas City. Okay, you can't do that against Kansas City. Yeah, it wasn't about the points. It was about field position and time of possession in the fourth. Yeah, get this. Yale's right. They put up a lot of points. But when they needed to control the clock, they couldn't. They couldn't. Didn't matter how many points you had. Yeah, watch this. Great, you made the game close, but when you needed to control the clock. Dude, when you have a lead in the fourth, it's not about scoring points. It's about controlling the clock and field position. It's how you win ball games. And turnovers. No turnovers. No no, No bad special team plays, which you had one of those as well. Okay. Yeah, but they couldn't they couldn't control the clock. It's one thing for the defense to give it up. They couldn't control the clock. All right. Legendary George Foreman is going to join us at 5:30 Eastern. One of the greatest sports personalities in American sports history. Lost to Ali, knocked out Michael Moore. I got to always show George this. I was there that night. 
See Big Sills on the back? I was there that night. One of the most epic and iconic moments in sports history. The legendary George Foreman will join us 5.30. Please hit the like button. Power Hour's coming up. Please keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Number three, we are going to talk at our, with our friend George Foreman at the bottom of the hour, 5.30 Eastern, one of the truly greatest sports celebrities of all time. Can't wait to talk with him. That will be at 5, 5.30. Before we get into Jalen Hurts and the MVP, um, Shohei Otani. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Ten strikeouts. Two home runs. Is he the greatest baseball player that's ever lived? Is now the conversation. 
I don't know. So there's a chance he could win 15 games and hit 50 bombs in the same season. Ruth didn't do that. That's not, and and Ruth never played against a diverse league. It was all beer drinking white guys. Didn't have Ruth didn't have to travel west of the Mississippi either. Albeit he was on a train, but he didn't have to travel three thousand miles to go from one city to another. Okay, remember Ruth didn't have to go west of the Mississippi. Baseball wasn't west of the Mississippi until 1959. I mean, Drew Ruth would go on barnstorming and play in the Negro Leagues and barnstorm, and he would do that all the time. But at the end of the day, man, and and he hit 368 in those barnstorming leagues. But still, man, this guy, he throws 100 miles an hour as well. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, dude, Bonds is the greatest hitter I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like it. I I used to cover the San Francisco Giants. I've never seen anything like Barry Bonds. And to me, one of the most dominating players in the history of the sport is Ricky Henderson. You'll never see anybody do what Ricky Henderson does. Here, someone may one day break the three the 762 home run mark by by Bonds. No one will break the 1,400 stolen base mark by Henderson. That is untouchable. That's one of those records like Cy Young and his 500 wins. You're not touching 1,400 stolen bases. People don't steal bases like that anymore. Okay? You're never going to see a 300-game winner. That's not going to happen. Baseball's not set up that way. The game has changed so much. Okay? It's changed so much. What Otani is doing is revolutionary. Here's a guy who's changing a sport like Wilt Chamberlain did. What do you pay a guy like that a year? $60 million? If you pay a guy $30 million to be a starter and an ace, and you pay a guy another $25 million to be your big power hitter, or you pay Bryce Harper $30 million, dude, this guy, Bryce Harper's worth what? $34 million a year? This guy's worth $60 million. $60 million. And why would he go to the Mets? Dude, so what I'm understanding, the Mets owner had a conversation today with the fan base. For what? You're the Mets. Don't forget, turn your hat inside out, and you're back to being a Yankee fan. The Mets. The Mets are as, the Mets are as awful an organization as the Jets are. It's shitty ownership and a complex. Do you know what's wrong with teams like... Here, here's one thing the Eagles don't have. Eagles don't have a complex. Okay? They don't have a complex. The Jets and the Mets have a complex. You know why? They care more about what's going on across the river there with the Yankees and the Giants than they care about their own building. And that's why the Mets and the Jets are in the position that they're in every year because they don't concern themselves with what they're doing. And they look at what the the Joneses are doing instead of what they need to do. And that's why those organizations don't win. They don't care. They don't take care of their own house. Okay. 
It's impossible to have a complex in Philly. That shit gets dismantled on, on site. Yeah, the only kind of complex that the Philadelphia sports fans have is the fact that they know everyone takes a shit on you. And they take pot shots at you. There, there was a... Hey, do you know why they... Like I said, I've told you this before. Do you know why ESPN uses you in Boston? They use you in Boston to propel and piss off the New York fans. Because there's more people that live in the New York City metropolitan area. And the fastest way to get under an, a giant fan is have an eagle guy go like this. What have you done? And then you start getting some of the uh, giant fans up in arms. Oh, yeah, you know, we're this, we're that. And no, you're not. You're nothing. You've been nothing. for The New York Giants have been horrible for 10 years. And they're back in a horrible position again. Look what they've done. They've invested in a quarterback who, quite frankly, doesn't deserve $46 million a year. And they got a running back who they're going to overpay at a position that the league is getting away from. Do you understand that the league doesn't want the running back position to be a star in this league because you know why? It doesn't do anything for red zone and it doesn't do anything for fantasy football. Jalen Hurts is an absolute godsend for red zone betters. He, he's, I, I don't do that, but I would think this. If you're like a fantasy football player, Jalen Hurts has got to be one of the top draft picks in the upcoming drafts that you guys are going to have. Oh, by the way, Tone, I know you weren't with me because I, I, t- I, I, told, I told Xander this. Listen, I have no problem with people playing fantasy football. I think it's really cool. Keeps you engaged. Plus, you know a little bit more about your team and you know more about the players in the league. What I do have a problem with is if there's 25 guys sitting at a bar uh, talking about fantasy football and there's no chicks, that's my problem. You can't go to a bar without a chick. You, you will never see big seals in a bar with 25 dudes at a fantasy get-together unless it's an event I'm doing. I'm there, you know. But when it comes to that kind of – you got to have a chick with you. I don't go to bars with dudes like that. <laughs> what are you doing, Sills? And I'm putting my fantasy together with Bob Scott and Smitty and Eddie and Eric and Neil. <laughs> hey, you see, hey, we're sitting around. It's Friday night and you're not with a chick. No, I'm with my five guys putting a fantasy. It's not working for me. Big C- hey, hey, Tone, two things. Big Sills doesn't, Big Sills doesn't get, um, Okay, hold on. This is George Foreman. Okay. Um, this is Big Sills here. Don't ever, ever go to a bar with a dude and have a dude cut your hair. Okay, you can't have it. You can't have it. Okay. No dudes cut Big Sills' hair. It's not working. (laughs) Sills, any update on Matt Ariza? I think I'll tell you here in a second here. Yeah, but some people get obsessed with fantasy football points on their own team, scored point. But Forrest, it keeps you engaged. Okay? And fantasy foot. by the way, fantasy football has exploded, and it's part of the game now, even the NFL has invested in it. So I'm going to tell you one more time. 
I think it's an absolutely essential thing that we're going to be involved in it some way come the start of the season. There's too many people involved. You know, I, I used to do this stuff. Uh, NASCAR is stupid and World Cup soccer is stupid. I may not know anything about it, but I'm not going to not talk about it. A billion people watch World Cup. What am I just going to go? Hey, it's, you know, it's whatever. You have to, you have to do it. And when you talk fantasy football, you have to do it because a lot of people are engaged in it. It's all good, man. I got, but again, going to bars with twenty-five guys. I don't know. So matterism. Don't forget George Foreman, five thirty Eastern. Um. Dan, answer the question. Why did Howie trade for Hertz? What do you mean trade for Hertz? When did he trade for Hertz? Tilted Kilt. Okay. I like, hey, Tilted Kilt used to sponsor the Big Seals show. Tilted Kilt, dear friends of ours, started in Arizona, I believe. Hey, now, I'll get to, I got to Jalen Hurts here in a second because there was a take that somebody over at the Novacare Center wanted me to kind of like clarify. Um, yeah, no, they, they wanted me to clarify it here in a second. So I, I, I will. Um, dude, all I'm saying is, is, is that there's no question about it. There's no question about it. When you're talking about fantasy sports like that, you got to be involved in it. You got to be involved. Okay, so before we get George on, Robert Kraft said that they would be very disappointed if they didn't win the Super Bowl this year. What does that tell you? Robert Kraft is tired of losing. Would it shock you if Bill Belichick, this was his final season? Do you think it would, do you, would it shock you if this was his final season? As head coach, I'm starting to think it is. I think this is Bill Belichick. Hey, hey, Tone, I'm going to make a prediction here. If that football team doesn't make the postseason and doesn't get into postseason the Patriots, I think Bill Belichick will be forced out as head coach of the New England Patriots and into the front office. And they'll do something there to try to make it an easy transition. And Bill O'Brien will take over as head coach. Because it'll be three years in a row that they haven't made the playoffs. The last time they were in the playoffs, Mike Vrabel knocked them out and the Brady dynasty ended. Dude, I don't see it. And I think they're the worst team in the AFC East. And the AFC East is good. I believe the AFC East is good. But at the end of the day, I do not believe that that team is going to make the postseason. All right. Jalen Hurts, and an MVP, and also a little comment that we made yesterday about Howie. And, 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 and somebody at the Novacare Center sent me a text. And I'm not going to say who, but they wanted me to clarify a little bit and what I meant by when I said that Howie was trying to take victory laps uh, today because of what he said to the athletic. You know, and I'm going to paraphrase and not read the quote again. How he's going around telling everybody now that he knew exactly what he drafted when he drafted it, 
when we all know that that's not true. And that was my stance, and it still is. My stance is, you didn't know what you drafted. And your behavior acted like that. Given whence the money, the extension. Um, getting the two first rounders a year ago so that you could go into this past April draft to draft a quarterback. You had no idea what you drafted. And then now you're going around saying you knew exactly what you drafted. And because of the outrage of the fans, you basically put it on the fans because the fans didn't like the pick. It's revised history again. That's my problem with the whole journey of Hurts. At the end, like I said, and Tone heard me yesterday, there's been three years... Here's been the three stages, and here's been the three opinions of Jalen Hurts the last three years. I hated the pick. I'm not sure he's a starting quarterback. I think we have something, and I believe he's a great prospect and could be an elite quarterback. Those are all in the last three years. How in the world did you know from day one what you had in the building when those three emotions have come from the fan base and from the organization at the Novacare Center, you're, you're, you're making it up if you say anything else. Okay? It was a second-round pick. Whenever we drafted a quarterback that high. Twiz. Did, Twiz, you, are, so Twiz, you were happy with the second-round pick? That's what I'm telling you. Nobody in their right mind, he wasn't drafted here to be your starter. You had one. And you gave a guy a $38 million annual deal. So for you to sit here now, here on June 28th, 2023, and pretend that you thought that they knew that a guy who was making $38 million would not be here today is a lie. It's a bull-faced lie. It's a bull-faced lie. Howie hurts the Eagles by nobody was. We thought Wentz was the guy. Absolutely. But hey, again, I'm not capping on you. I just want to keep, I just want to keep your general manager in check. And 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 not trying to blow up his ego any more than what it is. Dude, the things that I pointed out to you here, a lot of the shit that he's doing, Chip Kelly did. You, you know, it's funny. Tone's got a negative and a sour taste in his mouth over Chip Kelly, and you should. His bedside manner was terrible. How he dealt with individuals, but I'm sorry. And even Gary Cobb, you could tell, didn't have a good thing to say about Chip. End of the day, though, D-Jax, Jeremy Macklin, Shady McCoy, it never mattered if those guys were on this team or not. Plus, it empowered Howie to go get different guys. And by the way, cheaper guys. You're trying to tell me a die and LeGarrette Bunt were going to cost you as much as LaShawn Jackson? Don't you see what he's doing like he's doing now? He can go out and get spare pieces and spare parts to equal Shady and two guys. At a discount price. 
That's where he learned that. Hey, guess what? Chip is right. I'm not going to pay D-Jack's top dollar to be a wide receiver when I could just go out, either buy one or draft one. That's what he's doing. Don't you see that he's taking a lot of the formula that what Chip was doing here, and he's implementing it himself. Chip believed in what? Also developing an old line. He brought Stoutland in. He drafted Lane. You could say no all you want, but you're lying. He was doing that shit before he did. He brought the pro bowlers in. Okay? That's right. Not paying Gardner Johnson. I'll go get another guy that's cheaper. You, 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 hey, you hated Chip because Chip didn't know how to coach in the NFL. And rightfully so. Again, this is not defending him. This is pointing out where you are today. What was Chip's biggest problem besides being an asshole? He thought he could play an 85-play drive offensive football team and think that wasn't going to wear out a 53-man roster. He thought he was still in college when he had 100 guys to pick from. And that if a guy got hurt, you could just get another guy. Well, college coaches, it's why they fail in the NFL. You don't have 100 guys on scholarship. You got guys on payroll in a cap era. And you got to manage the cap as much as you got to manage the entire roster. That's why Chip wanted to have complete control of the roster in 15. Because he went to the owner and said, I need complete control. Not just final say on who they draft. I need complete control. And that's when everything went stupid because, again, you just can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. All right. You know, I had a chance to, I had my friends at Amazon send me the movie Big George. And I've said this to you before, and I'm going to put this out here before I bring George Foreman on. You see this? I'm sitting ringside. And George Foreman, who's been on this program before, he goes, Dan, did you think I was trying to win the first, second, or third round? I said, yeah. He goes, "Mm mm-mm. I win the fight. That's what I do. And there's my signature, and I'm sitting ringside. And I just – I Lampley's one of my dear friends. And Lampley looks over at me. He goes, man, I go, I don't know, man. That last round before the – I think before the 10th, George had started putting pressure. You know what he was doing too? He was waving the guy. And years later, I found out George was moving him in the middle here so that he could get a clean shot at his ass. Let's bring the two-time heavyweight champion of the world on, the legendary George Foreman. George, am I right? You You just kept moving him over, right? Uh Uh-huh. Leave with the right and throw the hook. And all of a sudden, he stays away from the hook, and it's right in the area where the right hand would be thrown. And you can say it all you want, and I can say it a hundred times, but, man, you have to look up to heaven and say, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) George, as I said, I watched uh, Big George, and I started – I'm I'm halfway through it now, and I'm – I'm taken by the journey that you were on. And is that a did they depict your journey the way you wanted to see it and how yeah, you wanted well, it to be portrayed? Uh, you sit down with any uh, artist 
and you tell them to do a rendition or even to paint you, they do it, but it's not like them. They feel like your life was, and they did a pretty good job. They painted a good picture with movies, and uh, I enjoyed it. Every I, I go back and watch it over and over, and I still enjoy it. Some things missing out, but I wish they had been missing out of my life as well. <laughs> yeah. George, I'll tell you the one fight that I go back and watch with you is the Ron Lyle fight. Uh-huh. To me, man, I watched that fight. I had never seen you because I remember as a kid, I had never seen you go down like that. And then all of a sudden you got up and it, it had to have been one of the most brutal fights in history. Was that your toughest fight you ever had? Toughest fight I ever had. Never thought I'd get into such. I ever had was truly fight. I had to fight that night and getting hopefully we can uh, connect here again with Big George. Let's see if we can reconnect here a little bit and get George up here going. Here we go. George, you're back with us. That Ron Lyle fight again. Let me yeah, ask you this, you know, George. Let me ask I you this. I'm listening. Did you do you like old George or new? Did you like old George, younger George, or the comeback George better? Well, like I had to come back with some strategy next. The last time around, I knew how to box. I knew exactly what I could do and what I I knew what I couldn't do. So I'm I'm more appreciative of the second time around because I took on boxing as a profession. And I second first time around, man, I was just like throwing bowling balls. That's all that mattered. Throw another ball. You miss, throw another. George, I'll say this to you. The first George, you looked like Liston and acted like Liston. The second time you came back, you were the grill, George Foreman. What was the transformation? <laughs> was it you being a priest that put that into you, that you didn't have to be that guy? Because you were already a tremendous fighter, but did it change you as a human? And maybe that was the best thing on the planet, you becoming a preacher, because maybe it centered you more, George. I don't know. Yeah, become a preacher. Your whole life is about telling people to have faith. Believe. Don't just lose your temper. Don't go off. And even working with kids, take it easy. That's not a bad world. You don't have to get even with everyone. I'm teaching all these sermons. Then you go back into boxing and you have to use them. It was a better time for me the second time, a human being. The first time around, I was just some slugger. But Sorry about it. I keep losing you like that. That's okay, George. That's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of it here. Um, how about this, George? What was the most gratifying? Beating Frazier? Or the win over Mora. Well, with Joe Frazier, I was the happy I ever happy as a boxer. All of a sudden, it was like when I knocked him out and was proclaimed the heavyweight champion of the world. I felt like Jack Dempsey, Joe uh, Joe Lewis, uh, 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 Jack Johnson. I felt like 
those people all of a sudden. The second time around, I was a grandfather. <laughs> it was like, I got to get home and get those children straight. My wife has told me to do this. I got to do that. I had too many things to be uh, be responsible for the second time around to even experience too much gratification. I was just a happy grandfather. <laughs> you, you, you know, George, you, you had trans, you had a transformation um, when you lost the Ali fight, that moment in the locker room, and then the moment in the locker room after beating Mora. I, I wonder if you thought about the whole journey right there. And like you see the movie now, Big George, I mean, you know, you find God after the Ali fight, you have a near-death experience, and then you have a renaissance in your life. And I just wonder what those emotions were like when you were in those in the locker room like that. Well, when I lost to Muhammad Ali, man, I was an angry fella to lose the world championship. Man, I was angry for a long time. And I've got to be number one contender again, fighting Jimmy Young. And that's in the dressing room where I had an experience where I was dead and alive again in a split second. My whole life had gone before me, and, and uh, I just didn't realize religion existed. And uh, so when I won the fight with Michael Moore, I remember sitting in the dressing room thinking, well, I'm so glad I don't have to have that vision of death again. <laughs> I stayed alive. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want any more experiences. I was determined to be the best human being I could be. George, you had so many great people in your corner, like Archie Moore, Dick Sadler, and Angelo. I mean, how important was it having people like that? Because, you know, personalities like you and Ali, I mean, you go into a fight, you pretty much have your game plan. What did those men, as people helping you, keep you centered in the ring there, how important were they in your life? I had this flash. I'm fighting Muhammad Ali in Africa. And he got finally got confident, talking smart to me, standing around me. And I said, now I'm going to knock his head out, off. And I heard Angelo Dundee scream in Africa, Muhammad, don't play with that sucker. When, I, when he said that, Muhammad covered himself up, himself up and he never opened again. I remember thinking, boy, I wish I had that guy in my corner. So the next time I'm fighting for the championship of the world, Michael Moore, guess who's in my corner? Angelo Dundee. I remember he called me a sucker, but I remembered also, I thought I wish I had him in my corner and it worked out just fine. Archie Moore, putting those combinations together. He insists on it every time around. Get those combinations, George. And the problem was I hit so hard with one punch that I couldn't come back with the other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because the guys will usually be uh, knocked down or staggering around the ring. But Archie Moore meant so much to me. Talk about a man with wisdom with the, as far as the boxing ring is concerned, more than you could ever imagine. And Angelo Dundee, a fox, a true fox. You know, George, for you, you turned out to be one of the biggest pitch men. I mean, Arnold Palmer, you. Did you enjoy that part? I saw you with a Doritos bag. I saw you with Midas. I saw you with, and, and of course, the legendary grill and all that. Hulk Hogan told me, he goes, I chose wrong. <laughs> and I'm going like, how in the world? I mean, that really brought your personality out more, didn't it, when you became that guy? Yeah, no, I, I tell everybody that uh, I have a photograph of uh, 
Hulk Hogan and I in the ring. We we're practicing uh, my, uh, these, in my latter years. And I said, uh-huh, the winner gets The winner got the grill. <laughs> I believe the winner, if I'm not mistaken, I think the winner ended up getting. Yeah, the I, I, I think the, the winner, the winner, right, George? The winner got the grill, right? <laughs> I, I think the winner, I think the winner did here. I think we're going in and out. We're losing George here. Hopefully, we can get a couple more last questions with the legendary two-time heavyweight champion of the world. George, let me let me let me let me close this up by saying this to you: Did you ever regret not having a chance to fight Muhammad again? Ah man, that was a tough guy. It's not like I wake, I would go to bed thinking I need some more of that in my life. Not at all. This guy was a tough guy. I was beating him really good and thought I had him, and I burned myself out beating on him. I'm I'm happy that the experience happened. More happy that I got a chance to become friends with him. And that's all that mattered. I never think about that rematch with him now. Think about our friendship. That's it. You know, George, I'll close with this here to you. I always thought that he acted like a maniac with two men in his life. And the only two men, three men, really, Frazier, Liston, and you. And he had to somehow convince himself, not because he wasn't one of the most gifted fighters in the history of the sport. He was. But when you fight intimidating people like you and Frazier and Liston, don't you have to have a sense that you have to convince yourself to get into the ring with someone like yourself as, as well? Oh, no doubt about this. This guy believed in himself. Even I hit him a few times. He, I could see in him thinking, I didn't die. <laughs> he, he looked at me with the look like I didn't die and so because he hadn't died he figured I might as well fight absolutely George it's been an honor and again it was an honor to sit in that front thing and I'll never forget Michael Moore and I go this thing's this thing's rigged and then I went, <laughs> then I saw this turn to the left blood coming out I went holy shit he just knocked him out <laughs> Boy, what a punch. What a punch. Whoa. Man, hey, hey, hey. Pum, pum, pum. There he went, man. Down he went. It was one of the greatest moments. George, I played NFL football, and I've never been in an event where I saw the MGM blow up like that, and it exploded. There was more noise in that place than anything I had ever heard before when you had won that championship, and it was really a great moment. George, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you and all the best. You bet. The legendary two-time heavyweight champion of the world, George Foreman. Don't forget Big George. Make sure you go and watch it. Man, you talk about, hey, yeah, let me ask you this. Who is a better knockout puncher, Tyson or Foreman? If I'm not mistaken, I think George has 68 knockouts. And he knocked out Frazier twice, Norton. Who's who's a better who's a better knockout guy, Tyson or him? 
Both. You know, what you what are you running for mayor for Philly? Okay. Tyson's a better knockout guy than George Foreman. Tyson was overrated. He played bad competition. Really, who was the biggest fighter he fought? Who, who was the biggest guy? Michael Spinks? Michael Spinks? Dude, I'll tell you what, this guy Fury, he, he could throw some, he, he's got, he throws some hands. For, hey, how about this? Foreman beat bigger opponents, right? Evander might be the biggest, or Lennox Lewis for Tyson. Yeah. And Tyson lost all them to them. Dude, Evander Holyfield was one of the most underrated fighters in the history of the sport tone. He was light heavyweight champ, cruiserweight, and heavyweight. I mean, um, think about that. He was a three-weight division champion. Okay? Light heavy, cruiser, and heavyweight. Very few guys can say that in boxing history, that you were you were all three of those at one time. I believe he was a bronze medalist. George was a gold medalist. Don't forget, too, George was the in the 68 Olympics. And after Smith and um, after Tommy Smith and John Carlos put their hands up on the podium, George was the guy that had the American flag after he won the gold medal beating the Russian. He was the one in the ring when uh, he went around after he had knocked the Russian. Talk about Bob Beeman in that 68 games also. That's where he went 29-something, 29-7 for the long jump. In my opinion, the greatest Olympics of all time, the 68 Summer Games. Tyson was an alternate. I think he was. I think he was. And then he went back and beat. I think his name was Tillman. Was it? I, I think he. I think Tillman won the gold, if I'm not mistaken. And then Tyson fought him later, and I think he knocked him out. I think he knocked him out. Ali was a marathon. Hey, Forrest, Muhammad was the greatest heavyweight of all time and maybe the greatest fighter of all time. Showmanship-wise, um, combination, 81-inch reach, power, um, strategy, everything. It possessed everything. In the golden age of the heavyweight division, when you're fighting Foreman, Frazier, Norton, Liston, and you're fighting all them guys, Ernie Shavers, Ron Lyle, I mean, you're talking about some of the greatest heavyweights that ever lived in the division. See, back then, being the heavyweight champion of the world, the greatest athletes in, in sports went into that. Now they don't. There's, there's no great athletes any longer in boxing. That's why you don't see boxing like you did back in the day. Boxing was revered. Boxing's not as revered by the American sports athlete any longer coming up. He doesn't, being the heavyweight champion of the world is not as big as it used to be. Okay? All right. Do me a favor. Take a timeout. Hit the like button. want to thank George Foreman once again for coming aboard. Sorry about it being a little spotty, but um, it, it's never bad getting George Foreman on the air. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. National Football Show. What am I reading here? Somebody, um, James says that my father-in-law is Sugar Ray Robinson's landscaper or Sugar Ray Leonard's land, landscape, Sugar Ray Leonard's landscaper. Not Sugar Ray Robinson. Back in the day, wow. Love to have met Sugar Ray Robinson. I met I met Ray Leonard. I'm friends with Oscar De La Hoya. And I'm also friends with a, a bunch of other heavyweight and middleweight and lightweight champions. Roy Jones is a dear friend of mine. You guys like Roy Jones? Okay. You guys like Roy Jones? Roy's a dear friend of mine. Love him. Dan, answer the question. Why did Howie trade? He didn't trade for Hertz. 
What 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 trade for what? What are you talking about? He drafted him. I'm not. Answer what question? It's there's no question there. Hertz is. I mean, I I don't know what you're talking about. So again, MVP race. Just to show you how the Philly media once again. You know, it's funny. I looked on the front page of the Inquirer, and I saw something that said that Jalen Hurts, by all accounts, is the front runner for the uh, Most Valuable Player Award. And I found that to be funny because I looked on a lot of websites, and I didn't see that. And I was kind of actually looking for one that had Jalen as the front runner for the uh, Most Valuable Player Award. And so what I did was I took and I combined the sports books and here they are. This isn't, this isn't me, but if you read the front page of the Inquirer, they have it out there that Hertz is the favorite to win it. He's not. He's not the favorite. Now, again, it's hometown newspaper, so I'm not killing them for it. I'm not killing them for it here, but here are your 10 men that are favored to win this year's Most Valuable Player Award. Okay? Aaron Rodgers, plus 1,600. Tied with Lamar Jackson at 1,600. Dak is back, plus 1,600. Then, Tua. Tug of Viola. Trevor Lawrence at fourteen hundred. Then Jalen Hurts plus a thousand. And here are the favorites to win the most valuable player award. Justin Herbert, plus 900. Josh Allen, plus 750. Mahomes and Burrow, plus 650. Now, why in the world would those guys, and quite frankly, Jalen Hurts almost in the same room with Tua, Trevor Lawrence, that's how they look at Jalen Hurts. They look at him as Dak, Tua, Trevor Lawrence, and Jalen Hurts. And those top four guys, those are the guys they look at as the elite passers in the game. Okay? Those are the guys that they look at. Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, and Herbert. I'm not saying it's right. Am I wrong? When they're talking elite quarterbacks, they talk about those four guys. And if Trevor Lawrence has a great year, they'll think more of him than Jalen Hurts. As a passer and as a quarterback, they will. Like, if Trevor Lawrence gets to the AFC Championship game, I think there's a shot he can. I I, I don't think they hold... Here... Even Vegas doesn't hold him in the highest regard compared to those other guys. 
And if Vegas doesn't do it, the NFL goes to the winds of Vegas. They set the lines. There's a reason that they put a injury report out every Thursday. It ain't for you and me. It's to set the, it's to set the lines for the gamblers in Vegas and Atlantic City. Okay? They do not look at Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Mahomes, and Joe Burrow's league. They don't. They think he's a really good player, but they don't think he's that. As a matter of fact, Lamar Jackson. Lamar missed all that time. He's still one of the favorites to win the MVP award. I don't know. We'll see how they look at him and how these odds change by the end of the year here. Okay? Jalen is going to be Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson. Uh, That is not going to happen. Peyton Manning. He'll never put the passing yards up to Peyton Manning. Dude, he's going to have a career year. He's going to have a career in passing yards like Donovan McNabb, around 36,000 passing yards, which is not horrible. And, quite frankly, Donovan won a ton. Dude, McNabb, at this point right now, you know, it's funny. Donovan McNabb, did he not go in his second year to an NFC title game? Didn't they win 11, 12 games in his second season as a starting quarterback in Philly? I thought he did. I thought I thought he had a big – I thought they won a ton of games, maybe even 12 games in his second season. And he propelled them into being a contender every year, especially in the first eight years of his career. Um, he, he propelled them. Marino threw the ball better than Montana. You know, one thing that I really love about Tone and what Tone did, Dan Marino was not a 60% completion percentage guy, but the league was 58% at the time. And he brought that up for the guys a couple days ago. That's way to, that's a complete understanding of football. Tone, you got a complete understanding of football, dude. You got a complete under understanding of it. Because you know what he looked at, Tone? He's not going to compare decades, but you know what he did? He evaluated the decade and said, well, you know, he may not have been a 66% completion percentage quarterback. And back then the rules were different, completely different. So you were going to have a lower completion percentage. Why? You could mug the receivers then. Now you can't touch them. So of course they're going to be wide open. Jalen Hurts today could not throw back in the day because you know why? His numbers would be down 51. If Dan Marino played in today's game with the uh, uh, the rules, Dan Marino would be a 70, 70% completion percentage guy. So Marino was around 54, but threw the ball more. In a, in a, in a league, that was 58%. Tone, that's exactly how you look at it. You can't really um, compare decades. What you do is you look at what kind of rules you had and what were other people doing in that decade. Okay, well, Marino was 54%, 55% completion percentage. Okay, well, the league was 58. So he was right there. He was around the league average. It's brilliant that you have that insight. The league average around that time was 54 to 58 for quarterbacks. Marino, for his career, was above league average. That's a sensational way of looking at decades. 
like Donovan, Donovan in today's NFL, let me make a comparison on what I think Donovan would look like today, McNabb. You know me. I am not a fan of Donovan McNabb. But if Donovan played today, um, I think he would be a lot like Roethlisberger. And whatever you think of Big Ben, like do I think Big Ben's a better quarterback than, than Donovan McNabb? I don't. I don't. I see I see a lot of same characteristics. Pretty smart in the pocket. They move around in the pocket. They move laterally. They create passing lanes. They run when they have to. Now, what I don't like, what Andy did to McNabb, they limited him in running, and they were trying to preserve him. And I get it, but at the end of the day, he kind of took an asset that he had. See, when I watched him, when he was at Syracuse, McNabb, was unbeatable at Sarah. I think he put 65, 67 points up on the Hurricanes one year. Uh, they had no answers for him, and they had good players on that team. And he destroyed them. Okay? Around McNabb's era, he was definitely completing passes at league average. Yeah. And so I look at him as kind of like, like, is he better than Phillip Rivers? Who would you want in the game, Rivers or him? I'd probably take McNabb. Okay? I'd probably take Donovan. Who would I want, Eli or him? See, Eli's a funny one because Eli was so streaky. McNabb was pretty consistent. I don't know. You know, in the playoffs, Eli gets on a roll. It's no one's stopping him. But really consistently on a 15 or 16-week NFL season, wasn't really always in the room. You know what I mean? He wasn't like, you never looked like when you looked at the best quarterbacks in the NFL at that time, did Eli's name jump up at you? I don't know. I never. So when we get Jason Cole on with us, you know, we're always like this. I don't know. That's a pretty tough one. I know he's got two Super Bowl MVPs. I know he's got the two rings. I get it all. And I totally understand it. Um, Rivers all day. What did he win? Got the one AFC title game in his entire 18-year career? I don't know. What what did he really establish? At least McNabb got to the NFC title game. I mean, you know, people I I see in Philly, they compare Embiid to McNabb. Why? Got to get out of the first round, son. Wasn't like McNabb was losing opening round playoff games. I mean, Bede loses them all the time. I mean, you got to win in the postseason. That's where your legacy's built. So, I mean, yeah, Forrest, I'm just, I'm just saying he got there, though. I think Donovan McNabb has probably played in more NFC title games than any quarterback you've ever had. Just saying. All right. I want to thank Gary Cobb and George Foreman for coming aboard with us. Don't forget, Gary Sheffield will join us on Friday and we'll connect with our friend and get his thoughts. You know, as we kind of go out of the box, we're 29 days, I think it is, away from the start of training camp, 36 days away from the Hall of Fame game, which is crazy. Xander, Big Joe, thank you very much. You guys are awesome. Tone, 
unbelievable as always, man, with your knowledge of the game. And believe me, that thing you did the other day, when you looked up at what the completion percentage was of the era of the league at that time, tells me a lot about you and how you look at the game. Got a lot of knowledge of the game. It's really cool to have, man. It's really great. Appreciate it very much. Three to six tomorrow. Till then, we'll see you on the flip side. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.